Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The last time I had to come to Sacramento on the Greyhound bus. Well, first of all, it's very, very crowded, and you have to wait in line, and there are people that are um, coming by, and they hit you in the leg with a suitcase, and it goes, excuse me, oh, pardon me, excuse me, oh, pardon me, and so finally, they make an announcement, and nobody can understand a thing they say, but it doesn't matter. By that time, you're so hot and tired, you're going to get on the bus regardless of where it goes. So you get out there, and first of all, you get on the bus, and it's so hot that you can hear the metal crapping. And always right behind you, it's never two or three seats away or, or one away or anything, right behind you, there's always a lady and there's a, a baby crying. It's like, ah! <laughs> right behind you. And then the bus driver gets on, he starts counting the number of people, the tickets go, one, two, three, four, and he what the? Back to back. This is the front of the bus that starts coming in. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He says, scare everybody, but we got uh, one too many passengers here. We got to see all your tickets. Well, there's always a little old lady that never can remember. Oh, dear, I don't know what I've done with my ticket. I was here ready to go. I didn't go. And she finally finds it. And they finally find out the, the, the reason for it. It's some blind guy out of two for one that caused all the problems. <laughs> bus driver gets on and he closes the door and just about blows your brains out when he does it and he goes just a little teeny distance and I don't know why they do that they go a little teeny distance and they stop and it, it sounds something like this everyone and welcome to our 2021 California Council of the Blind Convention. This is Gabe Griffith, CCB President, and our theme this year is Building Our Future, Remembering Our Past. For anyone that did not recognize that voice that we just heard at the opening, that was Al Gill and uh, we were lucky enough to find a recording of obviously his traveling to convention on a Greyhound bus. So um, we we're very happy to be able to bring that to you this evening. We have, I think, a wonderful program planned for this evening. We're going to be opening up with a Pledge of Allegiance, the National Anthem, and uh, then getting into some other stuff, we have uh, our history. The bulk of our night is history. And then we'll also hear some bylaws, uh, amendments that we'll be voting on later in the weekend. And we get to hear from some convention sponsors. 
<clears throat> so it's going to be a, I think, a, a good evening. Welcome to all of you that are on uh, Zoom with us. Also, welcome to everybody that is listening on ACB Radio. We are happy to have you guys all with us. Um, so now I would like to introduce to oh i also wanted uh i almost forgot we want to welcome everybody and we are on zoom webinar this weekend so when you come into zoom you are going to be muted and we will have time throughout the the evening asking folks to if there's any uh, announcements questions whatever when you when we have time for questions or those announcements then we will be asking you to raise your hand so if you are on an iOS device or Android through the app, there should be a, uh, I think it's under more options and then raise hand on the, uh, or maybe it's right on your screen. I can't remember on Zoom webinar. For anyone dialing in on the phone, you're going to press star nine. And if you're on a computer, it will be alt Y to raise your hand. And, uh, and then we will be calling on you in the order of hands raised. And uh, unless I am missing any quick announcements on there, again, welcome. And as is tradition, we are going to open up with the Pledge of Allegiance and uh, to play the, or um, giving the Pledge of Allegiance tonight is going to be Pam Metz, who we want to thank for all, Pam, we want to thank you for all of your years serving on the board of directors. Pam is termed out and uh, is not running for the board again. So at the end of June, June, she will be going off the board. But Pam, we're not letting you go away. We're going to find plenty of work for you to do still. So uh, we'll, we'll keep you around and uh, or keep you busy, I should say. So with that, let's go ahead and hear from, uh, if, if everybody will stand up and pretend that you have a flag hanging there, and uh, let's hear for the Board of, or hear the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of these United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Pam. And okay. Uh, uh, thank you, Pam. And now, please remain standing. We have uh, tonight. Um, let me see here to perform our national anthem. We have Valerie Salcedo, who is the former Miss Fresno County, where I came from, uh, to perform the pledge of, or the uh, national anthem. So take it away. My name is Valerie Salcedo, and I am so thankful to Council of the Blind for having me sing your national anthem today. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly 
stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rockets rang glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there oh say does that star spin Still always want to say play ball at the end of that. Thank you, Valerie, for performing our national anthem. And also, I just want to insert here that it is, as many Zoom calls as we've all been on in the last year, it is very strange to be speaking into what feels like a vacuum. Um, next, we have kind of, I think, a... a uh, Another special feature that uh, building off of uh, what ACB did last year, we have a roll call of all of our chapters and affiliates. Hi there, I'm Regina Brink, president of the ACB Capital Chapter of Sacramento, capital of the state of California, the Camellia capital of the world, the city of trees, the river city, and the home of the original Pony Express, advocating for independence, empowerment, important initiatives, and lots of high-quality chocolate. Come and join us. Hello, this is Christy Crespin, president of the Active Blind Inland Valleys California Council of the Blind. We serve the greater San Bernardino area. However, we have members throughout the state. We are famous for our Saturday morning hangout with ABIVCCB at 11 o'clock a.m. We are a growing chapter, and we like to have fun as well as advocate. Hello, I'm Patty Nash, president of Dayview Chapter. We kind of call ourselves the sharing, caring chapter. We keep in touch and disseminate information to our members each week in a phone conversation so that we can improve the quality of the lives of our members and hopefully of all blind people in the state. I was reminded of the many illustrious leaders that we've had in our chapter. We had Bob Campbell. We had George Fogarty, Kathy Skivers, John DeFrancesco, and they were all people whose shoes would really be hard to fill. But we looked up to them, and we really appreciate all the contributions that they've made to our lives and to the chapter, too. 
Hello, everyone. This is Roxanne Stallings. I represent the Contra Costa chapter. Our chapter has a new focus this year. We're trying to help each other develop our technical electronic skills. So we're uh, training each other and also looking for speakers who would like to give us trainings. Hi, this is Sarah Harris, president of CCB Fresno. Our claim to fame is that CCB was founded right here in Fresno back in 1934, when a group of like-minded individuals came together in order to advocate for equity for people who are blind across the state. We are also very proud of the advocacy work and education that we do here in our community through awareness campaigns, also working very closely with various committees and advisory groups throughout our city and county. And we love to get together and just have great fun. Hi, this is Anthony Signorello. I am the current president of the Glendale Burbank area chapter of CCB. We host a meeting on the first Saturday of the month at 10 a.m. by conference call. We also host a Friday chat call that everyone is welcome to at 8 a.m. to 9.45. We are involved with other chapters as well. We work with the Greater LA Chapter on a iPhone lab information series on the second Saturday of the month, every other month on their Zoom platform. We also have had a video, descriptive video night. Hi everybody, this is Chris Fendrick, Greater Bakersfield Council of the Blind President. From the Southern San Joaquin Valley, we represent about 20 different members of the local area here and work on different advocacy issues with our citizens of Bakersfield. Bakersfield is known for agriculture and oil and known for country western sound of the, of the Bakersfield sound and have people like Buck Owens, Merle Haggard, and Dwight Yoakum is actually a special guest here. Hello, I'm Robert Wint, president of the Greater Long Beach chapter of CCB, and we are a growing chapter. And one of the things that I am really most proud of is, uh, well, first of all, we're a very diverse chapter in terms of age and just membership. One of the things I really like is that no idea is too small for our chapter. We listen to everybody. And no voice is too small for our chapter. So we really try to encourage everybody to bring ideas and thoughts. We encourage everybody and everybody's welcome. This is Steve Bauer, president of the Greater Los Angeles chapter. Last year in February, we got a Zoom license thinking it would be cool for committee meetings and the like. How things changed in March. Since then, we've listened to guest speakers, watched movies together, shared holiday traditions, amended our Constitution, and elected new officers all on Zoom. And along the way, we've Zoom-hosted some other CCB affiliates and committees. I can't wait for our chapter to share lunch again in person. And as for our World Series Food Fest fundraiser, next year we'll be back. I want to say hello from the High Desert chapter. I'm Darini Dobbins, the president. And I want to let you know that we are 31 members strong. We have great meetings. My main goal is to uh, encourage them to be uh, to provide independent living skills at the Independent Living Center. We have a piano. We get together with the Inland Empire 
chapter and we have our get together and they are members of our chapter and vice versa and so uh, it's just a good uh, group to belong to hi my name is christine bailey i'm the president of the inland empire chapter of the california council of the blind ccb our chapter is involved in fundraising for scholarships for second year students in the inland empire colleges and we also go on outings to movies for descriptive videos and lunches. We'd like everybody to join and have fun that we have. Hi, I'm Larry Gassman, president of CCB's Orange County chapter. And we're very fortunate to have 24 members. And we live near the happiest place on earth. We have many sports teams, Angels, Dodgers, Lakers, Clippers, Ducks, Kings, plus the Rams as well. We are in a great place to live, and we are so fortunate to be with CCB. We're happy to be here. We're an ever-growing chapter. We want you to join us. Golden State Guide Dog Handlers Incorporated, GSGDHI, is the affiliate of Handlers 56 Members Strong. Our tagline is Forward Together. And what we mean by that is that we are committed to working together for the best lifestyle for folks with, who are guide dog handlers through advocacy, through programs, through education, and best of all, for working with each other. This is Deborah Gossett, president of the San Bernardino chapter. We do a lot of community service. We go out and help like Ronald McDonald's house, and we do a lot of fun things. I think we have the best chapter in San Bernardino. Hi, my name is Brian Ostosh. I'm the president of the San Diego Braille Club. We are an organization that has been in existence here in San Diego over 90 years. We currently have 26 members. We're glad to be part of the Council of Blind. We are a group of like-minded, blind, and visually impaired people. We meet on the first Fridays of every month, except for July and August. Hi, this is Vita Zavoli, president of the San Francisco CCB chapter, home of cable cars and Bodine's, the best clam chowder in a sourdough bowl. Our chapter focuses on supporting programs for school-age children, public awareness of Braille and tactile products, advocacy, and programs, which includes great speakers for our meetings. Mixed with business, we love food, friendship, and fun. Hello to all. Blessings to all. My name is Pam Pology. I'm the president of the San Gabriel Valley chapter of the CCB. We are about 28 members strong. San Gabriel Valley is the home of the Rose Bowl and also the Santa Anita Racetrack. We have a traditional fundraiser. We have a pizza pasta party every year until COVID, and we had about 34 of them, and um, which helps us to raise funds. We have donated toward a, a college scholarship, and we've donated uh, a sizable contribution to the Academy of Music for the Blind, which is for blind children who are pre-college. 
I look forward to seeing you and meeting you guys when COVID is gone. Rob Turner, President, Silicon Valley Council of the Blind, serving Santa Clara County, home of the technology that makes our lives so much easier these days. To learn more about our chapter and our Barbara Rhodes Tech Grant, visit our website at svcb.cc. Hi, I'm Margaret Buckman-Garcia. I'm with the president of the Yosemite Gateway Council of the Blind here in the heartland of agricultural central California. And as our name says, we're at the foothills and the entrance to Yosemite National Park. Our biggest uh, focus of our chapter is advocacy and access. Um, It can be anywhere from making sure that audio pedestrian signal is turned on and working to an accessible voting machine. And so knocking down those barriers is our biggest focus. Hello, this is Frank Welty, treasurer of the Braille Revival League of California. BRLC is working to increase the understanding and use of Braille here in California. Think Braille isn't for you? Think again and check out BRLC. Hello, this is Frank Welty, Interim President of the California Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. CAAVL is working to improve services and opportunities for the largest and fastest growing segment of the California blind community, older individuals with vision vision loss. Since you are or will be part of that group, CAAVL is for you. So come and join the cavalry. Hi, this is Bernice Kandarian, President of the California Council of Citizens with Low Vision. Uh, We are now experiencing our 34th year as a statewide special interest affiliate of the California Council of the Blind. And our primary issue this year is trying to get Medicare to cover low vision devices. Hi there, it's Regina Brink. We are CCB's newest affiliate, Inclusive Diversity of California, IDC. We value and embrace the diverse ethnic and cultural experiences and perspectives of the members of CCB. We'll come together to combat conscious and unconscious bias and bigotry while promoting intercultural dialogue. It takes a community to make change happen. So let's do it. Hello, my name is Pamela Metz, and I'm president of California Library Users of America, which is Kahlua. We advocate for the rights of blind and visually impaired individuals across the state of California for the use of libraries, which is the Braille Institute, and other libraries across California. We also enjoy reading, sharing, and discussing books, but I think our favorite pastime is reading. Hi, I'm Paul Patchy II. I'm president of the Randolph Shepard Vendors of California. We are the California affiliate of the Randolph Shepard Vendors of America. We are made up of the blind vendors here in California. We advocate for basically the the blind vendors and also try to work to better the uh, business enterprises program here in California. Hello, all. I am Andy Tom, president of the California Council of the Blind Students Group. We welcome college students of all ages, as well as high school students that want to be a part of a community, voice concerns, seek advice or support, and enjoy some fun games every so often. And the best part of a new membership, first year is free. 
So if you fit the bill, hope you come join us. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the wrap-up of our roll call of our great affiliates of the California Council of the Blind. Thank you. I don't know about everybody else, but I think that was pretty awesome hearing all of that, hearing all the voices and hearing everything that just a, a snapshot of what our chapters and affiliates are doing. So thank you, everybody, for uh, those introductions. And now, next up, we have our convention rules because our bylaws state that every year at the beginning of our convention, we will play and adopt convention rules. So what we'll do is we'll have these read. And at the end of that, I will call for a motion and uh, explain the voting at that point. So let's go ahead and hear those convention rules. CCB Virtual Convention Rules 2021. Section 5.2.1 of the California Council of the Blind Bylaws requires that at the beginning of each convention, the membership assembled shall adopt convention rules. The rules for the 2021 CCB Conference and Convention are as follows. Registered attendees may join the conference via the Zoom platform or by listening in on ACB Radio. If you attend using the Zoom platform, the following rules apply. All participants will be automatically muted when you enter the Zoom webinar room. Only those participating via the Zoom platform will have the ability to call for the floor or to speak to the assembly during the convention. If you are seeking the floor for any purpose, you must raise your hand to join the queue to be recognized. From your landline phone, press star 9. Press Alt-Y on your PC or Command-Y on your Mac. And on the smartphone or tablet application, locate the raise hand button at the bottom of the screen and double tap. Important! The raise hand command is a toggle. If you enter the command a second time, you will lower your hand. The moderator will always lower your hand for you. Asking for the floor. The moderator will alert the chair that someone is asking for the floor. This will result in the chair recognizing you and the moderator will unmute you, allowing you to speak. The moderator will then lower your hand. When you are finished speaking, the moderator will then mute your line again. Virtual Conference and Convention Etiquette. The conference and convention is a live event. To ensure a good experience for all attendees, rules must be followed. Anyone not following these rules may be dropped from the convention and could be blocked from attendance. If your microphone is live for any reason, do not mute or unmute yourself unless instructed to by the chair or moderator. Doing so will interfere with the convention. Foul language, broadcast of inappropriate video, etc. will not be tolerated. Any individual engaging in such behavior will be immediately dropped and blocked by the moderator. Raise your hand only when you wish to ask for the floor. Wait to be recognized by the moderator. The moderator will alert the chair of those seeking the floor in the order hands are raised. While your hand is raised and you are waiting to speak, make sure your surroundings are quiet. Turn down the radio. Ask others in the room to please stop talking. Stop rattling paper, washing dishes, setting the microwave, etc. Remember that the background noise is amplified when you are on the air and it is irritating to others. All convention matters requiring a vote will be handled to the best ability in accordance with the CCB bylaws, CCB tradition, and the latest version of Robert's Rules of Order. The bylaws committee co-chairs will serve as parliamentarians. Standing rules. Each debatable issue before the convention shall be limited to approximately 20 minutes, with a two-minute time limit per speaker, alternating between affirmative and opposing speakers. A majority of the members must agree in order to extend debate for an additional period of time. This will be done by using the raise hand feature on Zoom. The moderator will alert the chair if there is a majority. Motions to close debate will not be recognized by the chair during the first debate period. 
After the first debate period, properly made motions such as I call for the question or I move the previous question will be handled by the chair and voted on by the assembly. The chair may close debate when no one seeks the floor. Each member is respectfully urged to speak directly to the issue before the assembly and avoid unnecessary time-consuming dialogue. No member will be recognized a second time to debate unless there is not anyone else wishing to debate on that side. The chair shall appoint a timekeeper at the beginning of the debate period. Recognition to speak will be given to those members who properly address the chair. Motions that may interrupt a speaker may be called by using the raise hand feature on Zoom, responded to by the chair, and explained by the mover if requested by the chair. Examples, point of order, point of information, parliamentary inquiry, question of privilege, call for orders of the day, etc. Only those members who have registered for the convention will be permitted to exercise voting privileges. After this explanation, if 25 or more members object to the proposed change by virtually standing by using the raise hand feature on Zoom, in objection, the change requires debate and the majority vote to modify the convention program. During the elections of CCB officers and directors, nominating and seconding speeches shall be limited to five minutes per candidate with a speaking time allocated to the candidate's wishes. A person nominated for an office more than once shall be given one minute. Anyone meeting the requirements for voting membership in CCB in accordance with the CCB bylaws is entitled to vote on any matter coming before the convention, provided that the person's name appears on a chapter or affiliate's certified membership list submitted 30 days prior to the convention, and that chapter or affiliate has paid their membership dues or an individual has paid their at-large membership dues directly to CCB. During a record vote, membership will be certified by CCB volunteers. Voting Instructions for 2021 CCB Virtual Convention Elections Whenever an officer or board of directors election is contested, a CCB member who has paid 2021 dues prior to March 23, 2021, and who has registered for the virtual convention by the registration deadline date of April 16, 2021, noon, will be eligible to vote. Delegate votes will be cast live on the Zoom platform. Delegate votes will be calculated by CCB Treasurer Lisa Presley-Thomas. Chapter and affiliate delegates will be asked to raise their virtual hand to be given the ability to unmute themselves when called upon to cast their vote. Delegates should remute themselves immediately following the casting of their vote. A member will cast his or her virtual vote by using a landline phone or smartphone to call or text. Convention registrants who are certified to have paid CCB membership dues by March 23, 2021 will receive information prior to convention that will contain their assigned phone number to be used to cast their individual vote. CCB volunteers will be recording the individual votes. Members will be instructed as to when it is time to cast their individual votes. If a member has misplaced their assigned voting phone number, they will be able to call an information line to retrieve the information. This information line phone number will be announced during elections. When voting, you must provide your full name in order to establish your eligibility to vote as well as the person for whom you are voting for. Please note, your vote will still count even if you misspell the name of a candidate in a text message. CCB volunteers will not disclose how anyone casts their individual vote. CCB volunteers are instructed to confirm text message votes. It may take up to 10 minutes to receive this confirmation depending on the volume of calls and text messages they are receiving. Please be patient. After the final votes have been cast, CCB volunteers will send the calculated member votes to the CCB appointed representative to be added to the delegate votes. Once individuals and delegate votes are calculated, the chair will announce the result. Bylaw Amendments and Resolutions 
After there has been a thorough discussion on any bylaw amendments or resolutions as described in the standing rules, the chair will ask if any members object to the bylaw amendments or resolutions to raise their hands virtually. If more than 10 members raise their hand, a virtual voice vote will be called with virtual raised hands representing members' voices. Remember, even if you are a CCB member, your vote will not count if you have not registered for the convention. Deb, um, you have one correction for the um, the Mac. Could you help us out with that, please? Uh, sure. So on the Mac, to raise your hand, it's option Y. It was listed in the convention rules as command Y, but that's not correct. Thank you for that correction and helping us out with that, Deb. And with that being said, uh, can I get a motion to adopt those? So moved. Moved by one Larry Gassman. Do we hear any seconds? Seconded by Sarah Harris. Seconded by Sarah Harris. Okay, and what I'm going to do here, and and for a yes or no vote, we're going to we're kind of going to do this all the way through the weekend. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to declare these adopted unless there are what did we say ten or twenty five? Ten. 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 Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. So unless ten people. And uh, raise their hands, so nobody raise their hand yet right now. Unless 10 people raise their hands saying they do not agree with those rules, then we will declare them adopted. So we'll give it a few seconds here. Um, do we have any raised hands at this time? One, two, two, three. Two, three. Okay. Yeah, just three. I I am not a math major. <laughs> I, I chose communications because I could avoid math. But I do believe that three is less than ten. So <laughs> there's four. Four? Okay. Mm-hmm. Four. I'll give it five more seconds. Hopefully they're talking specifically about this when they raise their hands. Hopefully. That's why I started by asking people not to raise hands unless they disagreed with these rules. Okay, so we've given it, I think, several uh, enough time here. And Annette, did you say that there's only four hands up? There are actually only two now. Right now, two. there's only two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I guess we. Uh, I guess we convinced people to actually agree with. The, the adopt or the uh, rules is read. So uh, we will declare those rules as read and amended as being our convention rules governing us for the next three and a half days here. So thank you for those. Next, before we move into our Next item for the evening, let me just do a quick time check. Oh, I've got like 30 seconds here. Um, Madam Treasurer, are you around and do you have your handy dandy nifty little wheel there? (laughs) And and Lisa, before before you spin for a prize, would you like to explain to everyone here exactly how you're doing, choosing door prizes this evening? Because I think it's kind of cool. So this evening, uh, and actually throughout convention, we will be selecting door prizes uh, by a online wheel that I have randomly entered each 
name that is registered for convention and it will shuffle the wheel um, so that each one is random and then it will play some music while the wheel is spinning and then it will give me a name of the winner. The back wow, here. fun. Very cool. We've upgraded right. this. Make sure. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so and then if we can go ahead and mute Alice, okay. maybe that's where it's coming from. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So the first door prize of the evening is going to be a Chrome unisex talking watch with an expansion band, no alarm, and $20 cold hard cash. All right. And the winner is Theodore Wilbrecht. All right. Um, I want to say San Diego. Is that right? I think San Bernardino. I San Bernardino. San Bernardino. I had the San correct. So congratulations, Mr. Theodore. Mr. President, could we, this is Judy, could we have, does Madam Treasurer know who donated that door prize? We always generally like to know who donated the door, door prizes. I do. Sorry, I did. I did forget about that, Judy. Thank you for reminding me. That was donated by Active Line Inland Valley. Thank you. All right. To you and to them. Yes, thank you to ABAV and congratulations to Theodore. And thank you, Lisa, for the awesome sound effects with the door prizes. It makes me, makes me feel like I'm on a game show here. Mm. <laughs> so. Next up, we have a very exciting um, e uh, event here that has been quite quite a bit of planning going into it and a lot of work. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. And to, uh, to introduce it, I'm going to turn it over to Sarah Harris. Oh, hello and good evening, everyone. Um, before I do my introduction, I want to just do a little quick note to Deb. Deb, if you could help me find some of our folks. Do you want them to raise their hand? We do have a couple that are on the attendee side. Yes, if they'll raise their hand right now, Danette will allow them to talk or she'll promote them if they're on a device. Yeah, so we'll be able to promote and then I think it's going to be, yeah, Mitch is the one that's going to be. So Mitch is on the phone. I think, and so he mm -hmm. just needs and, to raise his hand, and and Danette, you can allow I, him to talk. I think I heard that Margie might be in the audience as well. And so Margie yeah. also needs to raise her hand. She's probably on the phone, and so um, she, Danette can allow both of them to talk, and we'll just keep them allowed to talk, Danette. Uh-oh. Do we all need to raise our hand? Or she may... No, you don't. No, only if you're... No, no. Only, only if you're, if you're on the, the phone, in the audience, on. on the panel. Yeah. Thank you. Is there a problem? Margie, oh, I am on Margie the may have come... At Margie may have come in as Margie D. Okay. She came in through her computer. Okay, hold on. Let me help you. Okay. I am Margie Donovan, and I'm on. There you are. Okay, you're there. I am. And myself. there's. Oh. And there's Mitch. 
Uh-oh. Okay, I got him. Okay. All right, and then... All right. And if we do have anyone else that I don't know about, please raise your I hand. I don't see yeah. anybody else. 1623, that's, is that the that's, one of them? He's, 388 is Mitch, and he's ready. He, he's already allowed to talk. Okay. I did. Okay. 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 And it looks like it. That looks like it. Yay. And Don, right, Don Queen just left the meeting, so we hope he'll come back. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully Don yeah. Queen will make it back. Maybe it's just his internet. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. Um, and so tonight we are going to take a little uh, travel down some CCB history. It was one of the things that our folks who came to a meeting that we had, a convention planning committee meeting, where we invited members of CCB to say, hey, what do you want to hear at a convention? And it was very loud and clear that people want to learn, you know, some of our history. And so this certainly is not all of it because, you know, we've been around for a very long time. I think we're going on, what, 87 years. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to have Larry go ahead and hit play. We are going to have some time um, in between. Margie, if you could go ahead and mute, please. That would be super. I did mute. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Lots of fun stuff. We got to love Zoom, guys. All right. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and let Larry go ahead and start this up. And then you're going to hear who we have here tonight. For the CCB 2021 convention, the convention committee decided to have a history night. And so they gathered together 15 or 16 people who had been with CCB for a very long time. Interviews were conducted in January, February, and March, and you'll hear much of what those interviews contained this evening. The full interviews will be in future on the CCB website for you to enjoy in total. But first, let's get acquainted with some of the people from CCB. So we're going to ask you to state your name, the year you joined CCB, and was it CCB or was it NFB or something else when you joined? First, here's Roger Peterson. Bernice was in ACB before I was because I started out in NFB. When I was in college and specifically graduate school, I started thinking, you know, that I really needed some support from from other folks that were going through this kind of trial by ordeal. We started the student division of, uh, of NFB. I was active in the student division and stayed on in the Federation. I became the president of the Washington, D.C. affiliate of the National Federation of the Blind in 1972, 73. Bernice Kandarian. I first joined the Maricopa County Club in Phoenix, and, and, and that was the Arizona uh, Council of the Blind. And by the way, this uh, is their, in June, will be their 50th anniversary. I did go to my first national convention in 1973, <clears throat> pardon me, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, I got involved with the the creation of the, what was then called the National Alliance of Blind Students. Uh, I got somebody to drive me from Arizona to California in March of 1974, and that's when I attended my first convention. And at that point, they did have the name of the organization as the Associated Blind of California, ABC. Christy Crespin. 
I joined in 1971. I was a freshman in college. And at that time, the CCB was a part of the NFB. My name's Robert Acosta. I joined the council in 1957, and we were a part of the NFB. We were an NFB state affiliate. Rob Turner. I joined in 1970, a freshman at a community college in the San Fernando Valley. We were affiliated with the NFB at that time as well. Donald Queen. Uh, when I joined, it was the California Council for the Blind, which mm-hmm. we changed during that time. And we were an affiliate of the National Federation of the Blind. And that was in 1955. I was a student at OCB. I'm Judy Wilkinson, and I joined the CCB in around 1962 as a part of the students group at UC Berkeley. Jean Lozano. I joined the Blind Organized Group in April of 1972 as a member of the Associated Blind of California, later the ACB of the California and then CCB during the merger in 1985. And I'm Margie Donovan, and I joined the CCB in 1981. I was a student at the time, but I actually came in through... Um, one of the East Bay chapters, and then got involved with the students. My name is Donna Pomerantz. I joined in 2001. I joined CCB, which was affiliated with ACB. My name is Mitch Pomerantz. Only my mother called me Mitchell, and she's been gone a long time. Uh, I joined the National Federation of the Blind of California in 1972. Hi, I'm Lee Martin Martin, and I joined CCB in 1985, and they had, were uh, just, the two state organizations were, were, were just merged, um, CCB had just joined ACB then, and the, the local chapters were all trying to work things out and get together when I joined. I'm Jeff Tom, and I joined I'm pretty sure it was 1976, and I, too, joined the National Federation of the Blind of California. Hello, I'm Artis Bazin, and I currently live in Burbank, California. I joined the California Council of the Blind in, I believe, around 1998. I actually didn't move to California till the end of 1999, but I had joined before I moved so I could get the Blind Californian. My name is Chris Gray. I've been involved in ACB since 1972. Very influenced by California throughout all my time and even before my time in uh, ACB. I came to California to be to live here in 1983. I joined the uh, California Council of the Blind. Bob Acosta was president. And I joined ACBC as well. My joining of ACBC was a little bit controversial because some people in ACBC were mad because I was a member of CCB as well. Ultimately, I became a member of both organizations because I loved both, I believed in both, and I felt each had a tremendous role to play in the organized blind movement of, of this country. For the next few minutes, let's talk about how you all got involved in the blindness movement. And let's begin with Roger Peterson. I had gone to a residential blind school in Idaho, actually, 
and it was actually a deaf and blind school, and it was more deaf than blind. After I started in the seventh grade going to public school, I sort of lost the blind community, and I was kind of looking for it to come back again. When I was in college and specifically graduate school, I started thinking, you know, that I really needed some support from from other folks that were going through this kind of trial uh, trial by ordeal. And uh, one thing in particular I thought was that people were getting books brailed and recorded for them, uh, students and so forth, and that there needed to be a way that we could share them, share books, because it was a terrible waste to have three or four different people transcribing books. So I started while I was in graduate school, instead of doing my work for my PhD, which I never got, I started to try to compile a directory of blind college students with the idea of, uh, of making it possible for us to find each other and share things. And the way I did that, by the way, was by sending business reply cards out to the rehab agencies and letting them give them to their students and let the students have the choice of whether to return them or not. And I paid the business reply mail if they returned them, you see. Somewhere along the way in the process, the president of the National Federation of the Blind, Dr. Jacobus Tenbrook, found out about what I was doing, and he wanted to contacted me and said, look, can you do this for the Federation? And um, we'll, you know, we'll pay the expenses. We'll will reimburse you for your expenses and all that. And because uh, he was, I think, on his way to wanting to have a student affiliate, perhaps, of the Federation. So I said, sure, I, I don't mind your money. And I did join the Federation, and I did finish the directory. I actually did a second edition of it. I felt, I felt a lot of camaraderie and uh, so forth with Dr. Tenbrook, because, of course, he was a... He was, all, he was already a college professor. He was also a, a leftist, unlike some of the other people that later on handled, uh, took over NFB. I mean, Dr. Tenbrook was into welfare rights and all kinds of things besides blindness. I got involved in NFB because of the student directory, and I was active in the student division and stayed on in the Federation I became the president of the Washington, D.C. affiliate. Judy Wilkinson. Well, it was while I was a student at UC Berkeley. There was Dr. Jacobus Tenbrook, who's a professor on the UC campus at that time. He gave us a lot of information and why we should create such an organization. California Council was an affiliate of the National Federation. Jean Lozano. I was a student at City College of San Francisco. And this was in the very early 1970s, and there were no support services. We had to had to be resourceful and uh, set up our own services and figure out how to do that. I was majoring at the time in pre-med, and uh, I took a class in physiology, and the instructor told me that I could not be part in that class, and I was not welcomed, as well as telling me that I would fail at it. I did advocate on my own on that, and within 48 hours, I was enrolled in it, 
and successfully completed the course. She begrudgingly admitted in front of the class that I had done better than most students. I was frustrated with that, and I was talking to my rehab counselor for the blind uh, through the Department of Rehabilitation about that. He told me, you know, you need to consider looking into uh, the organized blind organizations. And he told me about the National Federation of Blind of California and the Associated Blind of California. And he said, check them out. And, you know, it's your decision. But working with a group of people, organized, you can make change. It's hard to do it as an individual. But working as a group, you can get much further. I went to both organizations' conventions. And after attending both of them, I decided that I felt that I could fit in more into Associated Blind of California and their student group, the California Alliance of Blind Students. And that all happened in April of 1972. Margie Donovan. I joined this organization after learning about it through a um, trip I was taking with my high school class. I, this, I was at the School for the Blind, and it had moved, and I got an apartment and finished high school. And um, there's a trip to D.C. called the Close-Up Program. And my resource room teacher was a member of the Bayview chapter and took me over there to do a little spiel about my trip. And they were so gracious. They gave me money to help me go. And then gave me a lot of spending money, which was just wonderful because I didn't have much. And so I remember I came back, I did a presentation to the chapter, and this was in, I believe it was 81. I think it took about a year, and I'm not quite sure how I did not become a member of the Bayview. I ended up being a member of the East Bay chapter. I probably went to my first convention in spring of 82, I was sold on the convention and got very involved with uh, Blind Students of California. Then I attended my national, my first national in Philadelphia. I believe that was 84, 83 or 84. Bob Acosta. I ran for student body president in my high school, and the principal took my name off the ballot because I was blind. And somebody introduced me to Dr. Isabel Grant. I think later we have one Ooh. on mentors, and she was one of mine. And she was a blind school teacher and a rebel. And with her help, she said, you run, you tell. Because the, the principal said, you need a driver. And I said, well, what kind of notice? Wouldn't we get a notice to go to a meeting at another high school? Ten minutes or something. And I knew I was done. And Dr. Grant helped me. I won't get into the details, but she uh, was very helpful. I didn't even know what discrimination was. I didn't, I didn't even want to use a cane. I knew blind people from the Foundation for the Junior Blind, but that was fun. We never talked philosophy. So discrimination hit me head on. Don Queen. I was a student at OCB. When I went to OCB, my English teacher was Kenneth Jernigan, and I had Alan Jenkins, and and it was all NFB stuff because the OCB was a creation of the organized blind. It passed the legislation that created the center and that rehab hated us. I think every afternoon we had this book, Who Are the Blind Who Lead the Blind, and, and a few things like that. And we had philosophy in the evening with Alan Jenkins. Mitch Pomerantz. Well, for a couple of years, probably beginning in 1970 or 71, I was recruited uh, very heavily by folks out in what was the old 
uh, West Valley chapter of the NFBC. In 1971, um, while I was in grad school, I did a paper on law school entrance policies and uh, people with, in those days, the word was handicapped. I interviewed deans of admissions at eight California law schools. One of them, ironically, was the dean of admissions at UCLA, uh, a chap by the name of Fred Slaughter. I realized that, that the issues that, that people with disabilities were beginning to deal with were in some ways very similar to what the African-American community, although in those days it was Negro or black, were facing. And from there, from them, from that meeting, I got involved with um, the fledgling Los Angeles Council of the Handicapped. I got appointed by Mayor Bradley, who I, I got to know a few years later. And, and from there, I was much more ready to join the Federation uh, and, and join the West Valley chapter, because that was the, the, the major, the big chapter at the time. And then uh, ultimately went to my first state convention in the fall of 72. Jeff Tom. I was going to Stanford at the time, and uh, somehow or other, I don't know whether how I applied or whatever, but I got a scholarship from NFBC, and uh, as an outgrowth of the scholarship, uh, two of the leaders, uh, George Callis, um, who eventually became uh, a CCB leader as well, and Muzzy Marcelino, who stuck with the NFB, um, said, you got to come to our Peninsula chapter. And that's how I got in. Lee Morton. I would go to some CCB things here and there, sometimes back in the, I think, late 70s. But I really hadn't had an interest in joining. But um, my former piano teacher was a member of ACB. And it was about the time they were merging. And he had suggested, you know, now that these two chapters are merging, it really would be a good time to get involved. I did. Eventually got roped into being secretary and then kind of things grew from there and started going to conventions. Donna Pomerantz. I've never been one to be a part of groups. That's just not my thing. I was heavily recruited to join the Federation from a number of my students when I was heading up the alternate media uh, division uh, here at uh, one of the community colleges um, out here in L.A. I met Mitch in 2001 is when I joined the greater Los Angeles chapter. So um, uh, it was through Mitch. So that's when I started. Uh, I attended, you know, meetings of the greater L.A. chapter. So that was my first chapter in 2001 and went to conventions that year. And, um, you know, that's that's how I came to be a part of the organization. Artis Bazin. Well, I actually first joined ACB when I was living in South Dakota, right after I lost my sight in 1971. So I actually joined in 1972. Um, they weren't real active. They had a statewide affiliate, so it just went annual conventions while I lived there. In 1978, I moved to Iowa. And I was doing training in Des Moines, trying to fit into their food service Randolph Shepherd program. 
and I moved to Dubuque. While I was there, I joined the ACB in 1981. We were kicked out of the NFB by the National Federation of the Blind because they didn't like some of the things the Iowa president was doing and his key um, helper, Sylvester Nimmers, who was a vendor. Did you have a mentor? If so, who? This is Christy Crespin. I was uh, Christy Glaze at that time. I was a freshman in college. I had applied for scholarship, and I met the wonderful and great and infamous Al Gill. And he was my mentor. Then I got introduced to the South Bay chapter with Gary Mackensat as president, and they immediately voluntold me as secretary. Basically, kind of the rest is history. I, Bob, you were one of my mentors. I, there were so many. And yes, the West Valley chapter was, was so wonderful. I remember a 50-mile bike ride. But um, <clears throat> That was a great bike ride. It was such yeah, a quiet was, chapter, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real quiet. Yeah, that was, that was, we all went to the party house that Rob lived in. Oh, yeah. I was so troublesome. I had three. One, Dr. Isabel L.D. Grant, who was a vice principal at Belvedere Junior High, lost her vision and was told by the district, L.A. Unified, go home and have tea parties. You're done in education. Well, they didn't know Dr. Isabel Grant. She went to USC, got a special ed credential, and they they only, but it was a wonderful thing, had her teach blind kids at Belmont High and Irving Junior High. And she, she taught rebels like Mitch Pomerantz and others. But she taught rebels with a cause. And she always told me, do not fit in the mold because you're blind. Don't be a sheltered shop worker. Be what you want to be. And, of course, it, it was great. The next one is Tony Menino. Tony served mm-hmm. eight years as president of yes. CCV. Mm-hmm. God, he yelled at me mm-hmm. a lot. But then he said, <laughs> now, let's get to work. He always would forgive. He never said, I'm kicking you out or you're, you, you, you guys raised too much noise. He loved the West Valley chapter. He would be yes, in elevators did. and he'd say, let's hear it for the West Valley chapter. And we'd roar. The next one is someone uh, who was on the angel wall, Al Gill. Al Gill taught me that it was okay to be blind. Al Gill taught me humility, and he walked the streets. Al Gill was a counselor teacher and took buses to his clients. I said, Gill, get a driver. Your production's low, I'm I'm hearing. He says, no, I want to show my clients that a blind man can find his house and bring many things back for that blind person who thinks it's over, life is over. I want to bring things back to him, and I want to show him that I can get to his house. I was just thinking Jerry Drake. Jerry was uh, an older gentleman who, uh, he took buses. These guys were feet on the ground, using their canes, traveling. Orientation and mobility was not my strong suit. And so to, to travel around with these guys was just amazing to me even you rob um 
I really looked up to you because I, I consider that you were a mentor of mine because I saw you making it. You were doing the things that I wanted to do. May I add that Jerry was Mr. Welfare in the he council. Sure was. He yeah. became an expert oh, yeah. on yeah. welfare and on behalf of yes, the council. Yes, he did. Jerry never charged anyone. He beat the county for thousands of dollars because they were cheating blind people. And he became very, right. very helpful to a lot of people. My mentor was Bob Acosta and also Dave Weddle. He hasn't been around for many years, yes. unfortunately. Bob was the president of what, of what was called the West Valley chapter of the California Council of the Blind. And that was a very active chapter. I got involved in the student division and various things, so that, that was my start. Can't tell you how glad I am that I got involved. And the first person I really remember was Jim McGinnis, who was, I think, president of the council in 62 or 63. When I attended my first convention, it was somewhere in Southern California, and I remember it was the first time I'd ever flown on an airplane. So there were so many things that weekend. But Jim McGinnis was straight out of Tammany Hall. I mean, it was the iron iron fist. And like, this is how you're going to vote, kid. Uh, and this is the way we do things here in the council. It was pretty intimidating, I got to say. Um, but I really respected him. I was a little terrified of the whole political process. But as time went on, mentors were people like Lawrence Marcelino, as we called him, Muzzy Marcelino, then and Russell Kletzing, who for a long time was president or a couple of years was president of the National Federation. You know, I did a lot of advocacy work, but Muzzy and Russ throughout much of the 60s were great mentors and made really helped me understand advocacy. Also, Alan Jenkins uh, was very instrumental in, in my education. I had people on the state and national level who were always available to me. I was very fortunate that I could approach them and ask questions. And some of them were like here in California were um, Casey DeLint, Kathy Skivers, George Fogarty. On on the state level, and that's where it was possible to either by phone or during a convention most often – be able to, after general sessions, to go to their rooms uh, where they usually had a gathering, especially Kathy Skyvers. And that's where there was really dialogue that we could exchange and get information, especially most of our students, and get advice. And on, and on the national level, that was true, too. Del Almond from South Dakota was very helpful at the time, and he was very, very uh, involved in supporting the National Alliance of Blind Students. I I wish at times right now that I had known sometimes more the history, like Dolly Glass, who was a businesswoman. I had met her, um, had gotten input from her things, but I hadn't realized until years later that she had been one of the charter members of the establishment in 1934, the California Council for the blind, which they were for the blind at the time. My first mentor was Beverly Hammer. She helped me with a rehab pill. Anyway, I would go in after school and I would um, braille tapes for her, got paid to do that. And then 
I had finished undergrad and applied for grad school and was turned down just based on the fact that I already had a degree. And Beverly helped me work out my appeal. As I grew in the council, I had peers that were mentors for schooling in the student organization. When I had my son, Winifred Downing became a very strong mentor, given all the wonderful children she raised and all the techniques she used. And I'd call her and ask her questions. And she just was a wonderful human being that was ready to be there and support any blind person. One of my mentors was Bob Acosta. You know, he was very supportive of the student organization. And, you know, he'd just throw out money here, go to Nashville, go do this, you know. (laughs) So those are the three that stick out in my mind. But, you know, over the years, there's been many, many mentors. Mine was probably Mitch, really, if anybody. I mean, he he has always been the person that's known more about policy than anybody in this organization. And that was really the person most worth listening to. Not that there weren't a lot of others that were, too. But, I mean, I mean, he what he said was almost always spot on. And, you know, he would be... And it's probably something I should have said more a long, long time ago. But he's, I mean, he's not only a mentor for me, he's probably been a mentor for does scores of individuals in, in CCB and around the country. Thank you, Jeff. And um, since this is a, a conversation about CCB, I'll, I'll say that I, I don't really think I, I had a mentor in CCB um, for what it's worth when... We joined the American Council of the Blind. I did have a mentor, and and just for the record, that was uh, the late Otis Stevens, who was uh, in some ways a latter-day Jacobus Tenbrook because Otis was a constitutional scholar, a constitutional lawyer. And uh, so it was Otis, but I can't say there was really anybody on the state level. So... There you have the first group of recordings. There are two more to come. But what we thought we would do after this particular recording ended would be to ask you to uh, raise your hands if you have questions. Um, and, and please direct your questions to someone on the panel, not just a direct question to anybody. Could someone answer this? No. Ans- ask someone a question, okay? And they're mostly on the uh, presentation side so they can unmute and those who are on the phone Dinette and or Deb will unmute them Aaron Espinosa okay uh, this one's for Chris Gray I believe my last name yes um, so you said how you loved and, and believed in both organizations but and you became president of ACB uh, the whole entire thing what what caused you to go more into ACB if what you just said that you had uh, equal love for both organizations Sure. Good question. What I really was intending to say, though, was I loved both California organizations. I can't say that I ever loved the NFB. NFB never had a pull for me, although I had wonderful friends in NFB. But uh, by the time I came to California, uh, CCB had been kicked out of NFB, ACBC, I guess they were kicked out in 1961, but um, what I meant about that was I loved both organizations in California. My roots are very definitely and very specifically within ACB, and that goes back to 1971. I always felt 
that being democratic, a vote for a person and a vote for an affiliate was key. And I felt that uh, people in ACB were allowed to express their true beliefs more so than in NFB without being kicked to the curb. Yeah, this is uh, Keith. Uh, I'm I'm learning a little bit of history here. So uh, this message is for Chris Gray. Anyway, uh, so CCB was part of NFB at one time too. Is that, is that, is that, oh, okay. And then there's ACBC. Was that a different organization or is that the same thing? Well, ACBC was was the American Council of the Blind affiliate uh, from 1961 until uh, the merger between ACBC and uh, CCB. But uh, it's notable, I think, that they they came from the same roots and in so many ways ultimately believed in the same things. Okay. And to, to be in the same room with uh, George Fogarty, Bob Campbell, Bob Acosta, uh, Alan Jenkins, Al Gill, people from both sides of the, of, of the organizational spectrum and come back together and work together tells you a lot about the, the strength of the movement in California. Okay. Okay. Person whose phone number ends in 822. Yes, and Leslie. Um, I have a question. Um, uh, you, were, you were mentioning a couple of people that I studied with at CSB. I was a student from uh, 1957 to, well, I graduated from Oakland Tech in 1970. I had heard about CCB from my um, voice instructor, John DeFrancesco, because he was a, he was really active in, uh, I believe it was California Council. It could have been ECB, but I, um, I'm just, it's interesting to learn all this history. But my question, I have a question for Gene, actually. Um, I'm curious as to how you got involved with, um, did you start our disabled students um, at Sac State or was that someone else that started that? Um, no, I, I did not personally start uh, the Service Students with Disabilities Office. Uh, it was started by Patricia Sontag. She was oh, the yeah. founder, yeah. the first director of the program and uh, I was her, uh, she started at the program in 1974, and I joined her staff in 1976. Libby, you can unmute. Thank you. Um, gosh, I wish I had gotten in on this, guys, because um, I joined the Federation back in 71 when I was at OCB, but I just kind of, I didn't, I wasn't interested. My mom would read me stuff, and... Um, she would read me stuff out of the spokesman, and then I got a scholarship in 84. I met Muzzy, and Muzzy told me at the time I had a lot of potential. Went to my first convention with them in 86, but then – and held offices and was president before I moved up here. And then I met Ed and Tony Ames. And when all the guide dog uh, stuff started happening and other things, that's when I – jumped ship and came over to to you guys in uh you know actually started in 
tried it in 07 and then nothing really happened. So then I left and came back in 09 and haven't left. But, um, you know, I just, it's so interesting to hear certain names, particularly Al Gill. And it's too bad Mary Beth's not here. And um, Alan Jenkins, I remember him at OCB and all. So I'll shut up. <laughs> and Libby, did you have a question too? Thank you for sharing that with us. Do you have a question as well, um, or you just wanted to share? I just really wanted to share, and I, I, I'm, uh, I can tell you one thing. Uh, what was the guy's name? I can't remember his name, but something Sumquist or something. He wrote a um, Harry Sunquist. That's it. He wrote a history of CCB or something that Sugar had sent out several years ago. And I have that uh, on document. If anybody would like it, it gives the whole background and everything. Yeah, we have that. Libby. Thanks. Okay, great. Thank you. This is right, Margie. I'm a panelist. I have a yeah, question. I was, just, I was just going to ask if any of our panelists have a question <laughs> before we move on. Good, good timing. Margie, go for it. Okay. Thank you. Sarah, um, I'm wondering, I heard as we went through the recordings that we did, um, a couple mentors among this panel here. And I'm wondering if you knew that you were mentors and, and how. Uh-oh. Wondering if you knew you were mentors and what? That's where we fell off. How, how does it make you feel to hear that? This is Mitch. Go ahead, Mitch. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've said this for, for a long time to, to different people in different circumstances. At least for me, I, I never really considered, you know, whether, whether I was a mentor. I, I have always believed, though, in advocacy, and I've always believed in, in taking action and, and trying to get things done. And it's it's an honor to be considered a mentor by by anyone in this organization. But you know, I got involved because I saw uh, the NFB at the time and, and now ACB as as the best way for us as as blind people, blind and low vision people, to get things done. And so. It's it's a really pleasant byproduct of of well let's see coming up on fifty years of involvement with the with the organized blind movement but but I really hadn't thought about it very much um, when I termed out as ACB president in 2013 I I said I think in my in my final president's report um, what legacy I have isn't my isn't my call to make. Um, it's, it, it's based on actions. And I think those of us who are on this panel, we have through our, our actions, uh, even more than our words, uh, proven to be leaders and mentors. And, and it's, it's nice to be recognized, but that's not why we do it. At least that's not why I did it. You know, if I can jump in with one sentence, Chris, I think the reality and kind of what you said, Mitch is, Probably if you want to be a mentor, you won't be. (laughs) I like that. Yes. 
This is Bernice. If you saw my hand, but may I speak oh. sometime? Bob Acosta. We're not doing hands in the panel, Bob, so you can. I beg your pardon. Yeah. We're, yeah. So you can just, so you can just talk. <laughs> so may I say something, please? Go ahead, Bob. Thank you. It is indeed an honor to be considered a mentor uh, by some wonderful, wonderful people. But I agree with what was said earlier. You don't think about it when you're doing it. And my um, philosophy was I would never ask anyone to do anything that I wouldn't do for the cause. And I tried to set an example through actions. I was on the, the knack line, fighting knack tooth and nail, facing arrest, all kinds of things, because I believed in what the Federation said about knack, and I still do in that area. Um, other things that we did together. But I want to say before I have a senior moment and forget, ladies and gentlemen, the great, we, we had interesting times with rehab, you know, to kill things they were trying to do for against the blind. Ed Roberts declared us the enemy. He said, you have everything. You had Jacobus Tenbrook. You got everything, and we're going to bring you down. Well, he didn't. But the greatest achievement of my administration, I'm going to say this flat out, was the merger of the two most powerful organizations in California, the ACBC and the California Council of the Blind. And somebody mentioned John D. Francesco. He was a leader in both groups. Thank you. Go ahead, Bernice. Go ahead. Uh, one of the things that hasn't been mentioned, and I wanted to make sure that people understood that uh, Newell Perry was the one that created the California Council of the Blind that came into fruition in 1934. And uh, he rode a bicycle to all different parts of the state of California from about 1900 to 1934, creating uh, the Alameda County Club of the Adult Blind, the Santa Clara County Club of the Adult Blind, clear down to the San Diego County Club of the Adult Blind. And he's the one that got the all of those groups to meet in Fresno in 1934 and, and created the, the California Council, as they said, for the blind at that time. Uh, there's a lot of history about him in the Bancroft Library at uh, at Cal Berkeley. Um, I understand they're now digitizing it. I'm not quite, I haven't had an opportunity to hear it, but I heard it was three boxes of cassette tapes with him talking, and, and um, uh, Ro Roger can make a, some more comments about Newell Perry, but... Uh, uh, you know, it was really amazing how that man got us all together. This is Christy. Okay, so um, I am really hoping that people will read the book, People of Vision, A History of the American Council of the Blind. And I don't say the name correctly, so Mitch, who's it by? Uh, it's by it's it, Jim it, McGivern. Yeah. Jim and Marjorie McGivern. McGivern. Correct. That's it. Uh -huh. Okay, so I'm planning on um, doing a book discussion group on ACB radio, and I'm retiring. So um, shortly after I retire, I'm going to start a book discussion so that people can join 
we can read the chapters and really talk about the things that happened. Uh, my hope is that we have someone who can ask where that book, uh, you know, continue where that book leaves off. Yeah. Sarah, this is Judy. Can I just quickly say something? Yeah. Sarah? Well, real quick. Um, so, yeah, Judy, if you're real quick, and then I think we do need to go ahead and move on and play our second half. But this has been wonderful. Yeah, go ahead, Judy, and then we need and to I move think there was one other person they said with a hand up, but let's maybe ask that person if they can hold their thought until the next round, because we will have more QA, I think, in a little bit. Yes, for sure. Go ahead, Judy. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. I lost my earphone power. I just want to clarify, and Bob, you could help me here, because it was a question raised by, I think, Aaron at the very beginning. At one time, there were three organizations in California. The National Federation of the Blind uh, dumped many affiliates, several, including California. And so the California Council of the Blind, which had been the NFB affiliate, remained an independent organization, but sort of out in the wilderness, not affiliated with any other organization. So for a while, there were three organizations in California, but after after several years, that became untenable. And that's when merger talks began with the American Council of the Blind of California affiliate. Am I correct there? I'm, I'm sort of, if I may add on this, uh, <laughs> I, uh, we had a five-year court battle because the CCB w- w- didn't understand why we were considered disloyal to the NFB. Uh, and we, we, we won. I mean, Jernigan would say he won, but he didn't get our treasury, a half million dollars, which he wanted. And he didn't get our name, and he didn't get the name of the magazine. And by then, we were ready to leave the Federation. That was in 83. We had a wonderful attorney. Larry Eisenberg, who fought with us side by side, and we were not considered a subordinate body. We had incorporated 19 really early, and the judge says, no, this is an independent organization. You can't just take them over. And uh, then in 84, um, we were at a convention, and Don Queen and I are the culprits. Uh, we went to get Derwood McDaniel and Alan Jenkins drinks. We come back, and our dear friend, Manuel Urena, followed us and said, I know what you guys are up to. You're up to merger. Nobody was talking about it, but we did till 5 in the morning, mm-hmm. and that's when the merger talk started. We became an affiliate of ACB, and we had two affiliates. We had ACBC and ACB, and I remember Bob Campbell was so nice to me. I said, how do we vote here? What do we do? And we voted together in 84 in Philadelphia. And they said, you know, those guys always agree with each other. And boy, we had a big laugh on that one. Mm -hmm. But in 85, we promised ACB that we would merge. And we did. Thank you. All right, Larry, go ahead and cue number two. It's cued and ready to go. So get your popcorn and hang on. And here we go. What has been the most significant accomplishment in your time with CCB? What I really appreciate about 
the American Council and, and, and CCB in later years is the structured negotiation. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about now the, you know, having the ATMs accessible, uh, audible mm-hmm. traffic signals, um, just structured <laughs> negotiation has brought us so many good things. This is Bob. If I could uh, spend a moment or two on accomplishments, uh, one of course was being honored to uh, be president of the CCB. I was a young guy, thirty-eight years old, and our vice president quit. It was becoming too much for him, and we we took over, and we were doing great. Uh, and then we were, I was invited. I'm short, shortening this story to a Russian restaurant, and the president, Ralph Sanders, and his lawyer said that I had illegally hired my wife to be our information officer. She did work at Social Security and took a 50% pay cut. The board of directors approved it. Our lawyers, I asked our lawyers beforehand, and they said, Roberts will use this, Ed Roberts, to run for governor that Bob has done this. And I, I couldn't believe it. And they convinced me that I had to resign. But fortunately, I went to a blind attorney, Bon Eterbity, and he connected me with Larry Eisenberg. For five mm-hmm. years, we battled in the courts because Jernigan wanted our half-million-dollar treasury, and he wanted to reorganize California. He didn't care how big or how small, and we didn't win the appeal. But by then, in 83, we didn't want to go into the NFB. By, before we did, oh, we want to be in. Yeah. We, we didn't do it. But by then, we didn't care. We got our name, California Council of the Blind, and our treasury. And uh, our people were absolutely wonderful. We would fill jury boxes. I remember we took buses up, and our guys would oh, fill the yes. jury box. Mm-hmm. And just tremendously loyal. We continued operating a CCV. And then the last one is something that I'm proud of. We merged with the American Council of the Blind. We brought in thousands of Californians. It would not have happened without Bob Campbell or George Fogarty agreeing to it. They were the powers in in ABC. And we had a lot of negotiations. Sometimes they went well, sometimes they didn't. We both Mm -hmm. came in as affiliates of ACB in 84. And we promised that we would merge by 85. And we did. And we were better for it because we had talented people, now more so, and we were certainly the strongest uh, organization in our state easily. And uh, so that's my great thrill that we survived. We, they, you know, they were going to destroy the council if he could, and um, he didn't get away with it. And our people were absolutely courageous. I would say for me... Um... Yeah, getting accessible ATMs, I think, was another big one that I think we did. Changing some a lot of um, the CCB and GDUC worked on, getting a lot of the ownership clauses with guide dog schools more open. I think audio pedest- the pedestrian signals, too, getting them and getting standards for them because as traffic gets worse and worse, they're certainly needed and more and more quiet cars. I mean, it's not perfect, but at least it gives you a clue that the light's green to start listening for traffic. In 1974, I had been called to jury duty. And I arrived at the county courthouse and um, was told at that time that um, 
blind people were automatically excluded from jury service. And I didn't think that was right. Um, I believed in the jury system. I believed that uh, blind people should serve on juries. So um, I found an attorney. Uh, Jeff, you may remember the name Stanley Fleischman. Um, Stan was a civil rights attorney and uh, an interesting man. But there were three of us who filed suit against the the, the L.A. County uh, Superior Court System. Well, during that time, NFBC introduced a bill in the legislature that uh, would remove that exemption. And ultimately, the lawsuit was declared moot. You know, as a result, blind people can serve on juries in California and could serve prior to the ADA. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to say I've served on a couple of juries. The second accomplishment is one that everybody on this call is, is certainly familiar with, and that was our passage of SB 105. The two major blindness organizations, uh, CCB and NFBC, we got together along with every state agency uh, or every private not-for-profit agency in the state with one um, very notable exception, which I won't mention here, but all the agencies and, and the two blindness organizations got together and ultimately, while we didn't get our, our separate commission, uh, we got blind field services. And we we have uh, as close to a division or a, or a separate uh, commission as, as we'll ever see in California. And despite um, all of the warts that, uh, that we know uh, we see within the Department of Rehab and within blind field services, I think it is better than it was prior to passage of SB 105. So I guess I'll go with the whole usage of structured negotiations model. And I'll say this uh, knowing full well that, you know, the model has its imperfections, that some structured negotiations agreements have been really good and others have not been all, all that good. Um, so, it, you know, just like the just like the SB 105, it isn't the amazing, wonderful thing that the, those who uh, use it and write about it always say it is. But nonetheless, it did enable us to make a lot of advancements um, in the ATM area and point of sale machines in a lot of different areas that would you know, would have taken and probably would still take a lot more time. Um, that doesn't mean that it hasn't gotten us as far as we needed to go in many instances, because it clearly has not. But still, without it, there would we would have had a lot less in a number of areas and with a number of industries. As president of the organization where I served, I have a you know, a unique perspective, and uh, it's a small club. Um, But I learned so much from having a CEO, a chief executive officer, uh, 
Our chief executive officer was incredibly controversial. It was the wrong person, the wrong time. But I learned so much about what a modern organization needs to do. I had never heard of the term case for support. You know, I had never heard of time, treasure, and talent. Uh, there were so many things I learned and know that at some time in the future, uh, we will be able to use again in advancing forward. I think we were able to make huge leaps, in, at least in the concept of what a 21st century nonprofit organization could and should do. And whether the fact that it didn't happen for us still doesn't mean that I don't think we learned some incredibly valuable lessons that will, in fact, pay off. There's a tremendous number of major accomplishments the organization has been involved in. Like Judy said, SB 105, the establishment of uh, blind and deaf uh, services within the Department of Rehabilitation, automated uh, telemachines to be accessible, a lawsuit against Caltrans for them to start providing access uh, along their roads and got a, a policy to require that all Caltrans traffic signals are to be equipped with accessible pedestrian signals. And the organization, one thing has really gotten known for access to the built environment. That's something that started within the the Associated Body of California and then ACB of California. But after the merger in 1985, that was something. Um, Bob Acosta was very supportive as president. He encouraged me to do that and put the resources behind it. And that was something I always got his support on a lot, checked with him on those things. Bob Acosta was there for a lot of us coming into the organization, especially as somebody come from another organization and and developing that working relationship was pretty significant. But Architectural Bears, and to this day, we are well known. That's one of our strengths, and uh, state agencies and federal agencies know that a lot of stuff for access for the built environment for people who are blind or have low vision has come out of California and CCB specifically. There's one name that is associated with most of this uh, transportation and access, and that is the name Eugene Lozano Jr. Without without yep. Gene, um, for these last umpteen 40 years, becoming an expert, and it shows how important it is for us to have long-term expertise because people just get smarter and smarter and able to contribute more and more. It, we would be remiss in not acknowledging Gene's incredible contribution in this area. The biggest one that I'm the most proud of, and none of this is me alone. It's important that, you know, I led the effort and it takes a, it takes a village and we had a village was getting rid of the guide dog board. That was the best thing that's happened in my years in the CCB that I've been involved with. I was really happy to become the president of our student organization and rebuild it again with Bob and actually Don Queen too, their support. Another thing that stands out in my mind very vividly, and this is what I believe this organization is about, 
is being available to help somebody in need. And when I got that call at 7 o'clock on a, on a Saturday morning from Ron Brooks about the Zepeda baby case, without question, jumped in the shower and headed to the hospital. We got that baby out of that hospital that evening with his parents after about 9 or 10 hours of working the case with them. You know, had that baby left the hospital in the CPS's hands, I don't believe this day it would have been back in its parents' hands. So that was something I was very proud of. It was a long day of negotiating and walking into some strangers' rooms and saying, you have to put all your trust in me. And here's the first thing we're going to say is you can't be separated from your baby because your religious beliefs, you have to nurse. So they had no argument there. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but... I was filled with so much pride at the end of that day that we got that baby out of there. And I, I will say it was with the help of Chris Gray. About a half hour after I got to the hospital, the San Jose Mercury was there. Um, he, he and Jeff were on the phone to all kinds of media outlets. And if you recall, we even got the attention of National Public Radio and um, the morning show. The, again, a team effort. And it was important to get that publicity. And part of the help with the publicity is the Zapetta family lived right down the street from the Redwood City Courthouse and the Scott Peterson case was going on. For me, what matters is the grassroots of this organization. It really matters whether you're helping a, a student, whether you're helping a newly blinded person, whether you're helping a parent. That's where I take my pride away from this organization. For CCB to have have existed as long as it has, I believe since 1934, is, is tremendous. What it has done overall for blind people is maybe not unequaled, but darn near unequaled in this country. Uh, our membership, we've been as much as 3,500 people strong since 1934. And the legacy of the California School of the Blind, uh, based first on Newell Perry and then later on on Bob Campbell, is just an amazing legacy for for our state. Chris, why don't you talk a little bit about your memories of Kathy Skivers? And Kathy had to be one of the great leaders of ACB, uh, a leader in some different ways over time. But uh, I met Kathy in, in the early 1980s. And, of course, she'd been a board member of ACB for some time. And she was one of the founding members of ACB, a life member, and uh, very, very active in the movement that led to the split of the two organizations. And, you know, the odd thing is Kathy was very close to Tenbrook, very close to Ken Jernigan, and yet ultimately she recognized that that was not where she wanted to go, and she came to ACBC in many years. She was not really wild about the, the, the uh, reuniting of ACBC and CCB, but she accepted it. And the fact that she accepted it, I think, is a very, very important lesson for us all to learn because to have 
such grave reservations, and yet to allow something to happen in which she did not truly believe but would accept signifies something very, very important about how we can succeed as an organization of blind people. Kathy, when she became president, took over an organization which was basically financially bankrupt. And uh, she, she brought us back onto a path of pretty good financial equilibrium. And uh, the other thing I'd say about Kathy is that she was a people person. She and I could fight like cats and dogs and disagree in a major way about many things. And yet we were always friends. We always cared about each other as humans and as, as contributors and whether or not we agreed about a particular issue, uh, we could get past that on the, the platform of camaraderie and friendship. Another person I've not mentioned and, and should is Alan Jenkins, a great, great member of, of ACB, of NFB, uh, a great friend and protege of Chick Tenbrook. In fact, uh, Alan uh, helped Tenbrook out in his, his last year or two of life in, in many, many ways, physically and mentally, and uh, just loved Tenbrook. But Alan loved Derwood McDaniel as well in ACB. And he was another person like Kathy who was able to transcend the, the organizational divides that we had and love people on both sides. Another real leader and, and, and luminary figure of the organization. He tended to stay in the background to some extent, but the work he did uh, in Social Security hearings for people, in fighting for the rights of blind people with the legislature and so on, are, are just phenomenal. Have you ever collaborated with the National Federation of the Blind to get legislation passed or to accomplish a goal? We did do it on AB 169, the guide dog bill. We oh, worked yes, with yes. Oh, guide you? dog groups worked together and got it got it passed. Well, um, not as much as I think we could and should. I know that during the years that I was came back and was on the board from the time I was secretary on, I had personal relationships with Mary and Jim Willows. And so would talk to them a lot about the kinds of things that were going on in both organizations. Never officially at that time any any uh, collaboration we had just started last year literally march 3rd or 4th of 2020 we had a meeting at the lighthouse with brian bashan's instigation to discuss with agencies in california a, a way we could all move forward and get things so that every agency didn't have to have its own legislative advocate they were looking for uh, ways to get legislative things done. And we were looking at very big pictures and Jeff had just started to serve. Jeff was at that meeting as well. And as well as Steve and me and, and uh, Brian and, and uh, several people from 
agencies throughout California. And Tim Elder, who was is the president of the NF, NFBC. We wanted to have a big ticket item that we could go for in terms of all agreeing that this would be a big legislative agenda thing and see services for, for seniors and work in transportation, we all agreed was huge. However, this just kind of got sidetracked and derailed uh, when everybody went into lockdown and we haven't moved forward and I'm hoping at some point to get back to that collaboration with NFB and the other state agencies for the blind in moving ahead in common concerns. When I was in San Diego, I was representing the San Diego Braille Club as part of the council. Bill Halford was the president and representing Silvergate Chapter, which was the NFB of California. Both Phil and I served on the city's Department of Transportation's Committee on the Removal of Architectural Barriers. And we worked on a lot of access matters together. We had funding. Pete Wilson, as the mayor at the time of San Diego, wanted the city to become the most accessible community in the nation. The Department of Transportation was going to divide funds between curb ramps and accessible pedestrian signals. Uh, Phil and I very much wanted accessible pedestrian signals, but looked at the priorities and looked at curb ramps that year where that the money should go there. And then the following year, formally, Phil and his chapters and my chapter worked together to see that the accessible pedestrian signals were installed and to have them at key locations. And the Federation was absolutely opposed to the accessible pedestrian signals and let it be known, but Phil decided, no, we're working with uh, the other organization and we're gonna work together and get this community accessible to us so we can make a safe crossing. When the early 70s through until the merger, I was representing the ACB Sacramento Valley chapter of the, uh, that was with the council. And Jeff Tom was uh, the head of the, the capital chapter, the original organization. We were brought together by the city of Sacramento to address some issues that one of his members, Jeff's members, chapter members, was having some issues on access and safety going down what was called K Street Mall and worked on those things and developed a working relationship, both chapters, working on access. And again, that was the, the capital chapter going against the desire of the state organization, but that's on the local level where we formally worked together, solved things, didn't always agree. Most times we did for the common interest of the greater, not just those of us that belong to a, a group, uh, organized group, but the whole community as a whole, um, bringing about a greater safety. When I was living in San Diego, I was to discover that a person who was blind or had low vision that had a guide dog, there was no protection for them to rent an apartment anywhere in the state of California. You could be told, sorry, you can't rent because you have a guide dog. It was also true, they would tell you, you can't visit some, and somebody with a guide dog could not visit somebody maybe in an apartment saying, no, you can't uh, come to, onto our premises with your guide dog. I, well, even though a cane user, and I've always been a cane user, 
I got very upset about that and reached out to Assemblyman Bob Wilson at the time down in San Diego and got AB 3263 introduced. Bob Acosta, as the president of the NFB of California at the time, got somebody to introduce the same identical bill through the Senate side. It wasn't always friendly competition, but we we actually worked toward together without meeting face-to-face. But uh, we got the two bills to the legislature, and ultimately I learned about politics and behind-scenes things. Jerry Brown, as governor first time, signed to AB 3263. That was not a formal working together. It was competitive, but we both were going for the same thing. And, and that's what the most important things we got, the ultimate goal. My earliest memories of working collaboratively with the NFB of California was back in the 90s when guide dog users of California then took on the California guide dog schools about their ownership policies. We were all on the same page. The next opportunity that I I really had direct work with was in the three recent guide dog bills. There's two NFBers that live here in town with me, and they happen to be friends of mine. They're wonderful people, Shannon and Roger. We went to the Capitol. We went to, to the Capitol together from the beginning of each bill through the end of each bill. And she got her um, CAGDU people, California Association of Guide Dog Users, and we got our GDFGHI people. And I, I firmly believe to this day that we were successful in passing all three of those bills because the blind community came together and we weren't at odds with each other. Mitch, talk a little bit about the formation of SB 105. How did that happen? I recall going to a meeting at the then uh, Junior Blind of America, and we were, and it was a weekend. Uh, it was a meeting, like a Saturday and Sunday, Saturday and Sunday meeting, and uh, uh, there were probably 30 or 40 folks that had been invited from uh, from both blindness organizations and from uh, uh, I think some of the agency folks were there. And we began by talking about the need for a separate, some, some form of separate entity to provide services, uh, rehabilitation services, to uh, to blind consumers, and out of that came an agreement uh, amongst those of us who were there that we would introduce uh, this bill. We would find an author, but it really was a very amicable uh, uh, weekend. We we all uh, recognized that regardless of our political differences uh, about blindness that that we really needed to uh, to do something about the way uh, blind and visually impaired persons were um, were were provided service um, within the the, uh, the state agency so I honestly don't recall who was involved in kind of 
pulling that together, um, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, that Catherine Skivers was the president, but um, I don't I don't recall precisely how that came to be. As I say, Jeff probably is. Uh, has, uh, has got a, a better line on that than I. Um, although I do think the author was Burton. Yeah, like you said, we got two-thirds of the enchilada, three-fourths maybe. And we also got the state law that mirrors Section 508 of the of the Rehabilitation Act in, in its Section 11135 of the Government Code. And that was also passed. And that, of course, helped not only people who are blind, but people with all disabilities. So, you know, we did, we really did even more than just address the rehabilitation issue. So Lee may well know this. Um, and, and I know Donna does too. Um, in fact, everybody. Uh, but one of the things that we worked with uh, NFBC on in recent years has been um, guide dog related legislation, both with respect to uh, allowing um, out of state schools to bring in um, their employees to do home care training. And then in terms of uh, eliminating the guide dog board, both those pieces of legislation, um, you know, we work jointly with um, advocates from NFBC um, to get those things passed. And yeah. it, it was much easier having, you know, that kind of combined uh, joint effort. One of the opportunities that we have for collaboration is on the Blind Advisory Committee. Uh, Sarah and I just put ourselves through, what, a almost seven-hour meeting yesterday. Um, and we have a very, very top-notch working relationship with the, uh, with the NFBC people. There are, there are two of us officially who are there as CCB reps, and there are two uh, NFBC people. In reality, two NFBC people, and there are two or three uh, CCB folks uh, who, who represent other, other interests. And I have now served on the back for this go-around, because I've served previously. I think now we're coming up on seven years. And we have never had any significant disagreements. And we work very collaboratively together. And that, of course, makes it tougher for the Department of Rehabilitation, because they can't divide and conquer. And so... Um, you know, it isn't always legislation that we collaborate on. Sometimes it's it's working together to uh, to get our uh, our our voices heard and our points across to the to the folks in uh, in state government. And I think that's important. And I guess now it's time for the audience. Don't be shy if you have questions for. Uh, a panelist or maybe two panelists, whatever works. I, I don't want to have it be too specific, but uh, don't be shy. Raise your hand and learn about more about the history. Any hands raised? Connie. Okay, I'm, I'm just in awe of this panel because I joined CCB as a student, so I know just about every single one of you. Yeah. Uh, Bob 
Bob Acosta was the president at the time. Mitch Mitch Pomerantz was um, one of the officers too, I believe, and and uh, Margie Donovan was the president of Blind Students of California. And I remember getting a scholarship at the banquet, and Bob and Bob said, "She's one of us now." <laughs> ah, that's great. What year was this, Connie? Oh gosh. It was when I was in college. It was back in the 80s. Okay. Great. It was in the 80s. All right. And so um, I guess I would like to address my question to Bob Acosta. Bob, um, I, I knew you when I was a student, and now we are both members of California Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, which <laughs> totally, <laughs> it just, it, that's, that's just totally amazing. So my question to you is, and, and I don't think it's out of line because the theme of this convention is, you know, um, remembering our past, building our future. What can we do now to encourage students and just younger folks in general, like the students and the second gen, you know, next generation uh, people to get involved with, with CCB and advocacy um, what can we do to encourage them and to 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 get involved? I mean, I know that's kind of a difficult question, but that's what my concern is because th- those those people are the future of our organization. Well, they certainly are the future of our organization, and I know when I bring up this idea, people will say that's old school, that's out. But Rob remembers well. We went on campuses. We spoke to high school people. We didn't wait for college. We organized high school kids. Sometimes the resource teachers were against us. They, they called it uh, selling candy. And Rob will remember this one, begging. And we, we took it up to the guy's supervisor and we won. He says, you can't, you can't argue against the Federation. That's, that's their business. If, if they're doing, you know, if they're doing the job, you, you got to say all that. So, the answer I would have is we have to go uh, have continue or have uh, uh, programs that are going to appeal to them. But with new school, we have to take them on in the social media, tell them what we're doing, tell them what we're fighting for, tell them about the scholarships we give in broad detail, which I know Chrissy does her best on that, and show them that we're just not a bunch of old fogies, that we think young, that we are the true pioneers. Uh, but we want, we need to get you guys involved and we really got to help our student organization. And it may, when we get some financing, that, this is true. I sure I heard my name, but we had the money. We, we, we would drop a couple thousand dollars for a student weekend um, to, because they, they had wanted to get together. We had the money then and we got to raise that money. So social media, raising the money and go get them. Don't wait for them to come to us. Thank you. All right, I think we got two hands raised. Adrian? All right, I'm Adrian Masio. I'm part of the Inland Valley chapter. Um, and I just want to start off by, you know, saying that all these incredible stories and all these things that everybody here was fighting for and a part of, um, and me being, you know, probably one of the younger ones here, if not maybe the youngest, um, you know, just want to thank each and every one of you for just going out of your way and you know, fighting for all these things and making everything so accessible and making it easy for the younger generation um, to have all these things that maybe you guys back in the past didn't have. Um, and just to kind of go off of the last question, uh, being a student, 
I want to know, and I don't, it's not specific to anybody here, um, whoever wants to answer, but what kind of role can a student in CCB take um, a part of to kind of not only advocate for, you know, CCB and uh, people of low vision or blind, but what, what can they actively do on their campuses to bring more of the younger generation to be a part of the organization? Who wants to take that one? So this is, oh, this is artist. I'll, I'll, I was just going to take that. <laughs> go ahead. Ladies first, and then I'll go. Okay, this is artist. I was just going to say, I know I was uh, an older blind student when I uh, joined the uh, National Alliance of Blind Students. But one thing I found when I was in college, when you went to the disabled student services, you were able to meet other uh, blind students. And then once they learned you were part of an organization, they would ask questions and then you could talk to them and hopefully get them to become involved. Another way you can get more students involved in campuses is if local chapters contact those colleges and universities and ask them to uh, get, um, give a letter or invite those students to come to your chapter meetings. And we were successful in our local chapter a couple of times to get students to come to our uh, chapters just by inviting them. And if you are a student on the campus, if you can find out what chapter is in your local community and talk to other blind students into coming with you to those chapter meetings, then they might see the reason why the organization is where it is and what it does and know why it's a good thing to be in an organization that's supportive of you as a blind student. So this is Jeff, and I actually think that it's going to take an actual allocation of resources and perhaps resources that we don't fully have, but maybe there's a way. Um, I think it, it's very labor-intensive to get students. And I think we need to perhaps hire a student or maybe use staff time or whatever to make lots and lots of calls to disabled student service offices, to individual students. And then when we talk to people and acquire data on individual people, then try to link them up with our own students. We, we don't have a huge base. So I think if we really want to do something, it's going to have to take some real resource allocation. Whether that will succeed, I don't know, because you have to follow up with, you know, using social media appropriately and all these other things. But I've come to the conclusion that students are so busy that if we don't really put some resources into it, we probably won't get where we want to go. So this is Donna. Go ahead, Donna, first. Um, and Jean. So... One of the things that um, I'm being exposed to right now um, related to young people is that, um, and it's, it's Adrian, yes? Adrian asked? Yes. Adrian. Yes. yes. Um, Scholarship winner. 
So Adrian, one of the things that you can do is, um, you know, a lot of, a number of our young people um, are, are using text chats and are on social media and a lot of them are doing things spur of the moment. And, you know, all of the young people have that strength. Um, you know, I'm observing a group of young people right now, and all of a sudden, Mitch will start hearing my phone blow up at all kinds of hours. But, you know, it's like, it's just strange hours. I mean, if there are um, groups that you're connected to on your on your campus, or if you, you know, can do um, meetups or, or group chats about, you know, just brainstorming issues, because I'm seeing it take off in different ways, and different people just pop up with, you know, oh, yes, you know, this is going on here, and, you know, yes, we need to do this, and, you know, it just, it blows me away because I know I don't work that way. You know, I'm older. I'm a, you know, planner kind of a thing. But when the energy just starts going, um, you know, the the blessing of this being locked down, so to speak, is that, you know, folks have learned that, you know, you, you, you know, you don't have to always be in person. Um, we're polling our young people right now and they're saying they don't want to go back to in-person. They want to do virtual as far as the meetings and, you know, the things like that. And then when they're doing things, they want to do that hands-on in-person. So Adrian, you might be able to be instrumental in that connection in the way that you guys do it. Um, Gene, we've got about one minute. Uh, sorry, Donna. That's it. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Um, oh, sorry. I disabled his talking too soon. Okay. Um, I'm going to come from a, I, I agree with everything that's been said, and I'm going to come from a different perspective. Having worked a little over 40 years in a uh, disabled student services office, um, those of you that are actually on the campus, get involved with that program. Find out um, how things work. Uh, find out how you can get involved in the, uh, on advisory bodies on that. Embrace some of the issues on the, on the campus. Find out um, if you become really visible, a role model, then that kind of, you, you start growing into that advocacy and you become a role model for others. Um, that it maybe uh, don't feel they're as um, sophisticated in their advocacy. Um, I really think that this organization should look into legislation to require um, that a system-wide uh, for the California State University system, which is the largest public education system in the nation, do a real need assessment for students with disability, as particularly those with visual impairments, find out having a formal um, study done and find out what the needs are. And that is something I think if the students are championing that and go, working with the chancellor's office, that is something you can show to other students 
state, the council student group is very active. We are doing things there that can bring about changes because after you find out what the really the needs are from the students then then you can start working on seeing how to get those needs met. Um, at the same time, I'm, I believe in, you know, uh, that you need to not rely on an office. Uh, that's the last thing to do. You need to develop your skills to be able to take your own notes, uh, be resourceful and finding things so that you're not having to wait for the office to provide things but work with them, and you can shape some of their philosophy. It's not all just locked in by regulations, but be visible, learn the ropes there, and I think system, we need to get, find out what students with uh, visual impairments need statewide, and then from we need from that, start seeing about what other things we can do to help them out. Thank you. Thank you, Gene. And with that, we've got to wrap this segment up. So, Larry, if you'll cue cue up the final segment, we'll go from there. Thank you, everybody. What motivates you to remain active in CCB? Lee Morton Martin. I think when I see some of these successes, and it's kind of been good to remind me of it. Maybe people got tired of hearing some of that stuff from some of the old timers about, oh, you couldn't own a safe deposit box and all that. But it shows you how far we really have come. The system really does work. It starts with the local chapters and goes from there. A lot of us aren't necessarily road scholars, but it doesn't take that. It takes all of us with different backgrounds and abilities getting together and contributing. Lee discusses stepping away. There comes a time. You know, I remember hearing something when I was a kid, um, starting out even in church groups, and they said, ideally you serve three years. One year to learn your job, the second year to do your job, the third year to train your successor. And that hasn't always happened. And it's nice to get some younger people. And even though it is hard, because sometimes you have to go on and let them make their mistakes. I want to fix it. And sometimes the best thing I can do is step back and let them them fall. Jeff Tom. Within a couple of years, I too will not be on either the ACB board or the CCB board, and and that's perfectly fine. It's I'm, I'm pleased that there will be better and fresher ideas than mine, and and I have no desire to seek any more elected offices. But I have found that in recent years I am increasingly motivated. I guess maybe it's having become a senior or whatever by the need for advocacy in the area of services to adults and primarily seniors with vision loss. And I guess what make what continues to motivate me is not only is the need so great, but it frustrates me so much that our community is perhaps as underserved as any segment of the senior population in this country. And people in California, because that's what I know most about, don't know a darn thing about the needs and the services that can make people independent. And so for me, at the present time at least, I'm so frustrated by all of that that I have a great deal of motivation to try and make 
some changes while I have a little time left in the advocacy arena. On the other side of that coin, I am trying to mentor other people to take over more and more of what I am doing. I have no desire, uh, like Mitch, to be here past my time. And so I'm, I'm sort of leaning in with one hand and out with the other. You're doing the hokey pokey, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Good analogy. Donna Pomerantz. I am very pleased to be a part of the Ellen Murphy Fund, um, one of the three fund managers. I think it's exciting to be building that into something that is as solid as Noel Perry, developing policy, developing a modern structure for it. It's wonderful to be a part of a group of us three women who all bring different things to the table. It's wonderful to be sitting at a table where all of us come from different places and we express it and we find our common ground that allows us to do the best for those that we're serving. And it's exciting to be building that infrastructure. I think my style is one that is a struggle for most, which is why in my life I've never been a part of groups because folks need a softer touch, it seems like, these days. And I'm definitely not a softer touch, which is fine. I'm here in the grassroots helping wherever I can and supporting wherever I can in the grassroots. And it's good that we're all here. Um, there is a huge need, especially these days. Mitch Pomerantz. One of the things that CCB and ACB and being a blind person has also done is motivated me to try and educate the public about blindness. Both Donna and I are, are now very active in our local Lions Club. I'm past president. Donna is currently the president. I'm the president of our condo board. I've actually, this is my third <laughs> third stint as, as our condo board president over the, the last decade and a half. But it's another opportunity to show people that blindness doesn't mean you're not competent. And I think that is just as important, if not more important than anything else, we do to to be out in the community and demonstrate our capabilities and that's that's that continues to motivate me even though i'm not as involved in in the organization as i once was artist basin well i think it's vital that we remain active and i know even though we sometimes struggle financially i think it's the volunteers in the organization that make it continue to run and we need to really ask all blind people we know to join the California Council of the Blind, or at least the American Council of the Blind, because it's when we get in numbers that we're more successful in advocating for our positions. Without the numbers, we aren't going to get many legislators to 
help us advocate and push bills that we think are very important. I think one of the things that keeps me involved is I have, of course, many friends in the organization, and that helps me want to attend meetings and go to functions in person. But beyond that, I've seen what we have accomplished in the past. And I see so many areas that we still need to work on. We still don't get 100% accessibility in our websites that we go to. We still don't get total accessibility, even when it just goes to meetings. I mean, people like to just ignore us as blind people. They don't really think that we have that much to say. And the only way that we can completely participate with the public is by staying involved. And I do stay involved locally in my community. As a business owner, I think it's important to remain part of the community. And I belong to several organizations that are not blindness related. And I think it's important for blind people to do that because it keeps us relevant and keeps us up to date on what's out there for everyone. Bob Acosta. What motivates me is the great strength of our membership. I discounted them. I thought the first auction we had, I said, these guys are broke. We're not going to make any money. They're, they're not going to, you just can't do it. And I glad I was wrong. I'm so glad. The second auction was even better. Donations that are made at the convention. Just so impressive. People give what they can. And if they can do that, I can stay involved in the council. If they care, I really care right along with them. That's why I'm in CCB till I die. Rob Turner. And for me, I'm in CCB. I, I enjoy the camaraderie. I enjoy some of the challenges that it gives me, things that I can accomplish that I wouldn't be thinking about without CCB, knowing that we're trying to work for the good of not just ourselves, but of other people. Christy Crespin. So for me, I'm retiring after 30 years of social work service in May, and I wasn't going to run for the board until 2021. But we were in dire straits and I was so afraid we were gonna lose out and stop. I will be a CCB advocate and a blindness human advocate until I die. And the reason why is because we can't lose the gains that we have striven so hard to gain. We can't go back there. We can't go back to our young blind folks not being able to compete on a level playing field. We can't go back to our seniors not having places to live. We can't go back to being told, no, you can't. We need to continue with, yes, you can, yes, we can, and yes, we will. Judy Wilkinson. If we didn't have the CCB, we'd have to invent it. Well, what motivates me are the stories that people have to tell. And those stories remind me why we're here and galvanize me into remembering why it is we have to keep going I'm particularly interested, since money is the oxygen of the organization, I'm 
dedicated to helping us find ways of getting more money. Frankly, fundraising and the finances are now of more interest to me and more along my line of ability maybe than legislation and advocacy, which were the main interests in my early life. Jean Lozano. I guess because of my personal history going back prior to getting involved in the blind movement, having to take on things on my own, often replicating what somebody else had done, and seeing what happens when you don't have a group to work with. We can get an advance, advocate, and our rights, but if we don't stay involved and are visible, we're going to lose them. I've seen some examples in my professional work where the lack of continued support, uh, monitoring, things have been lost, and then you had to fight for those again. And so that is what inspiring me is seeing, like, I want to continue protecting these rights that we have to perhaps be a pioneer that uh, uh, in the organization that others will follow. We need the diversity on the national, state, and local levels. We are doing more for inclusiveness. Margie Donovan. When you have a group of people behind you, you can get more done. Before I moved up to this area, I lived in the Bay and I hadn't belonged to a local chapter for many years. I was a member at large just because I was a single parent and working full time. And where did I have the time? When I moved up here, what made me join the chapter is I had a fight. I couldn't believe we had no audio description. Absolutely zero. So I thought I could go battle this on my own or I can join the chapter and probably get some support out of the chapter. Ultimately, that's what happened. We went from, I believe, at zero venues to is it five now, Gene? Yeah. Four or five? It's really, for me, about supporting people, supporting changes, and where I see a need for better access, I'm much better being a council member than doing it on my own. The council has done a lot for me, a tremendous amount for me. As a student, when I was going through school, scholarships and, you know, helping with reader bills and helping fight, and I feel an obligation to give back to the council. Right now, I'm really driven to catch our elderly people. Stopping those people from falling through the cracks, you know. What's abundantly clear here is the three of us came through the student organization, and there's two approaches for me in this organization for bringing members in. It's the elderly and it's the students, and we must build our membership. That goes hand in hand with fundraising, and the more members, the more ideas, the more feet on the ground, the more money potentially we could bring in. What future do you envision for CCB? Rob Turner. Well, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about for, for CCB is that technology is making it a lot easier for us to work together, especially with these in these COVID times. We've, we've really discovered how much we can accomplish through these conferences, Zoom conferences and 
Uh, of course, now we most of us have unlimited long distance calling. We we've got other ways of doing conferences. One of the things I know we have to do is to get involved with social media. The, these are the things that I think we we just have to keep adapting. Bob Acosta. We have to find a stable income. We've got to build a donor base, a large one of, of friends of the council who, who are there, who have more bucks than we do. So money is the key. Yeah. And then how we spend it is to be answered in the future. And I want to keep virtual Zoom programs. I think future conventions, and I don't know how they're going to do it because hotels want 15,000 plates. And yet yeah. I've talked to so many people who never knew what a state convention was like, who, who sat through last year's and said, this is incredible. Yeah. Now, I don't, I'm not going to tell you that every chapter increased members, but it made, us, it made blind people more aware that there's an organization that cares. Christy Crespin. And it's going to take all of us communicating, working together, realizing that we are CCB. Um, you know, NFB proselytizes, and in every single article that you read, it's a good article, yeah. but at the, in the article, it starts extolling the virtues of the NFB, and they talk about having 50,000 50, blind. Well, you know, I remember in 1971, <laughs> yeah. the that for NFB said, yeah. we have the 50,000 blind, right. so I don't believe them. No. I don't know. Maybe we have 500, 600 members of CCB. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. What matters is that we are CCB. We are, each one of us, CCB. Mm-hmm. What I do affects you. What you do affects me. And it's going to take all of us communicating, working together, realizing that we are CCB. Old school and new school. If you're old school, uh-huh. the kids say, well, you don't know. Well, I, yes, I do. I live through it. I'm telling you what might happen or, you know, and, um, but they're right. getting better at it because I have a big mouth and I keep talking. And once in a while, I yeah. hit a home run once in a while. Judy Wilkinson. We probably can't imagine it at this moment. I mean, who imagined we would be so successful in creating opportunities through zoom that brought in has brought in people many more people than we could have brought to in-person events um and you know we have now realized that in whatever the organization does in the future will always be some kind of hybrid we will never go back so the organization is going to evolve in ways that we can't even conceive i still dream of having everything in Spanish and Chinese and and some of the Asian languages in California here and a, a lot of that we could do we could do amazing things if we had some more money i envision more money in ccb's future and i really do feel that that is going to happen i mean um, i think we will have resources that we don't have today uh, but you know what even if we had none of those resources we have each other, and we can always communicate by a simple telephone. Uh, if the organization didn't have a nickel, we would find ways to talk to each other, and we would find ways to collaborate and move forward. 
Gene Lozano. It's going to be a rough road ahead. And I think not just our group, but a lot of other organizations and membership organizations. There's going to be the need to more formally expand our scope of who we're representing. Margie Donovan. We, for the most part, in my history of this organization, has really only looked at what I would call, quote-unquote, high-functioning blind people. And while we have many members that have additional disabilities, they have their unique needs, whether it's people who are deafblind or people who are developmentally disabled or people who have cerebral palsy. And I think we need to reach out to those populations. It's time that we start doing workshops on plan giving. For example, the Lighthouse does them frequently. And yes, while many of our members are just on Social Security or SSI, there's many that have retirement incomes. There's many that have a retirement plans that they may not outlive. And I think we need to expect our members to bring in some money, whether they make a donation, whether it's a dollar a year. You know, one of the ways you get grants is everybody's contributing, seeing I does it. Lighthouse does it. My dream is to get back to where we were in the 80s, whether it's thrift stores, we own something, our members are donating, all kinds of different resources, and that we're doing it for the state, not just our local chapter. Amazing stuff, everybody, right? Uh, We could probably sit here all night, actually all weekend, listening to all of this great history, and I just want to thank everyone who participated Um, And we hear you all loud and clear. Um, We are going to be doing a lot more of this. Um, You'll be able to hear the recordings, the interviews in their entirety um, once we get them up on our website. And of course, we'll let everybody know when that goes out. I really want to thank Larry and Rob for all of their hard work um, going through all of the material and putting together such a wonderful piece. Um, But we are not done. Um, we, uh, We put... Our current president, Gabe Griffith, on the spot, and here he is with the final thoughts. Hi, this is Gabe Griffith, and I joined the California Council of the Blind in about 1999 as a student at Sacramento State, so it was the Blind Students of California at the time. I was really lucky with mentors. I lived in Sacramento when I got involved in CCB. And so I was able to spend a lot of time with people like Gene Lozano and Jeff Tom. Um, Got to spend a little time with Kathy Skivers, uh, definitely Mitch and Donna Pomerantz. And I'm sure there's others that I'm forgetting, but those are kind of the the big ones I remember as, as I was getting involved and just trying to figure out what this organization was and where my place in it could be. Something that really motivates me is all of the work that people before me have done, all of the work in things like areas like accessible pedestrian signals, curb ramps, and and other pedestrian activity, uh, audio description, things like that. There's just so many areas that people before me have, have fought for that it is really important to me to fight for all of the issues that we're facing now and be able to improve life for those who are coming after me. Things like access with 
say apps or screen readers. A lot of it nowadays, I think, is electronic, although there are still physical access things too. But there's just so many areas that we still have to fight for. And it's important to me to be able to have a better world for either the folks, the kids that are, are growing up blind, or for those people who are not yet blind or low vision. So where do I see CCB going from here? First of all, we have important issues of financing. So I think that we need to really work on finding partnerships with companies to uh, be able to figure out what can we offer them in exchange for uh, maybe some funding. And we also need to reach out to all segments of our population. That includes not just the current members we have, but students to try to grow that next generation. We need to find that population of folks that currently aren't involved that could include and, and should include minority populations, you know, people who are Black, Latinx, uh, that group, uh, work with our IDC affiliate to find those populations and be able to better serve them. We need to also have more collaboration, I think. Um, we can definitely reach out and work with the NFB of California and other organizations across California because we are stronger as people who are blind or visually impaired when we speak with one voice. And the more collaboration we can have, the stronger we're going to be and the, the more effective we're going to be in our advocacy. And those were some great words from Gabe. And now we get to hear more of them. I'm handing it back over to Gabe. So thank you again to all of you who came on as panelists. Um, you can now go ahead and join on the attendee side, or I'm sure Deb will let you stay right there if you stay real good and muted, or maybe she'll push it back down. Um, but thank you. Thank you again to everybody. And um, we'll be bugging you some more because good stuff, good stories. And now back to you, Gabe. Thank you. It's been fun. Hey, thank you, everybody. That was some some great stuff. And uh, as was said, it'll be archived and available on the website. So uh, you'll be able to listen to it again. So next up, we get to hear a message from one of our sponsors. And there are a couple of them. And the first one up is going to be our Gold Level sponsor, who we have had a a uh, pretty long collaboration with over the last several years, and it is going to be Cruise LLC. So, Deb, can we go ahead and play that? Hi, I'm Kenny Montilla from Cruise, and we're proud to partner with California Council of the Blind for the 2021 virtual convention. To learn more about Cruise, visit us at www.getcruise.com or contact us directly at community at getcruise.com. We hope you have a great time at the convention. Um, next up, we have Frank Welty, who I think I heard join a little while ago. 
and Frank is going to give us our 2021 credentials report. Frank, are you there? I am. Good evening, Good evening, everybody. And I'm delighted to be here again. I'm ready here with our 2021 credentials for report. And I want to thank all of the chapters who were so cooperative in getting your credentials forms in in a timely manner. You really did a good job this year. Thank you so much. So let's get started. This is the 2021 California Council of the Blind credentials report. And we're going to go through the chapters and affiliates now. Chapter and affiliate, ACB Capital Chapter. President, Regina Brink. Home chapter members, 38. Number of votes, eight. Delegate, Stephanie Watts. Alternate delegate, Eve Maitland. Nominating committee representative, Stephanie Watts. Chapter or affiliate, Active Blind Inland Valleys Chapter. President, Christy Crespin. Number of home chapter members, 16. Number of votes, five. Delegate, Linda Samolski. Alternate delegate, Sylvia Blanco. Nominating committee representative, Linda Samolski. Chapter affiliate, Bayview chapter. President, Patty Nash. Number of home chapter members, 36. Number of votes, seven. Delegate, Patty Nash. Alternate delegate, Lori Kastner. Nominating committee representative, Lori Kastner. And we have Braille Revival League of California, President Mike Keithley. Number of members is 17. Number of votes is five. Delegate, Karen Schroeder. No alternate delegate. Nominating committee representative, Mike Keithley. California Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. President Frank Welty. Number of members is 35. Votes is five. Delegate Frank Welty. Alternate delegate Jeff Tom. Nominating committee representative Christy Crespin. California Council of Citizens with Low Vision. President Bernice Kandarian. Number of members 53. Number of votes five. Delegate Bernice Kandarian. Alternate delegate Valerie Reese Lehrman. Nominating committee representative. Eugene Lozano, Jr. California Library Users of America. President Pamela Metz. Members is 39. Number of votes is five. Delegate Phil Obergon. Alternate delegate Larry Gassman. Nominating committee representative Pamela Metz. CCB students. President Andrea Tom. Members is 16, votes 5. Delegate, Andrea Tom. Alternate delegate is Aaron Espinoza. Nominating committee representative is Andrea Tom. Affiliate, uh, excuse me, chapter, Contra Costa chapter. President, <clears throat> Roxanne Stallings. Number of home chapter members, 13. Number of votes, 5. Delegate, Earl Robb. Alternate delegate, Roxanne Stallings. Nominating committee representative is Miley George. CCB Fresno chapter, President Sarah Harris. Home chapter members, 19, number of votes, five. Delegate, Roger Hood. Alternate delegate, Suzanne Hood. 
Nominating Committee Representative, Sarah Harris. Glendale Burbank Area Chapter, President, Anthony Signorello. Home Chapter Members, 29, Number of Votes, 6, Delegate, Kevin Berkeley, Alternate Delegate, Andre Green, Nominating Committee Representative, Kevin Berkeley. Golden Gate Chapter, President, Martin Jones. Number of Home Chapter Members, 24, Number of Votes, 5. Delegate Martin Jones, alternate delegate Foster Brown, nominating committee representative Foster Brown. Golden State Guide Dog Handlers Incorporated, President Alice Turner. Number of members, 54, number of votes, five. Delegate Margie Donovan, alternate delegate Cody Meyer, nominating committee representative Alice Turner. Greater Bakersfield Council of the Blind. President, Chris Fendrick. Home chapter members, 19, number of votes, five. Delegate, Giovanna, uh, Giovanni Fonseca. Alternate delegate, Diana Gonzalez. Nominating committee representative, John Ross. Greater Long Beach chapter. President, Robert Wendt. Home chapter members, 20, votes, 5. Delegate, Jose Lamelli. Alternate delegate, Shelby Felter. Nominating committee representatives, Aisha Wendt. Greater Los Angeles chapter, President Steve Bauer. Home chapter members, 24, votes, 5. Delegate, Pamela Metz. Alternate delegate, Guillermo Robles. Nominating co Committee Representative Guillermo Robles. CCB High Desert Chapter, President Doreeny Dobbins. Number of Home Chapter Members, 25. Number of Votes, 5. Delegate Robert Acosta. Alternate Delegate Ruth Ann Acosta. Nominating Committee Representative Robert Acosta. Humboldt Chapter, President Gavin Smiley. Members, 10. Votes, five. Delegate, Gavin Smiley. Alternate delegate, James Forbes. Nominating committee representative, James Forbes. Inclusive Diversity of California. President, Regina Brink. Members, 20. Votes, five. Delegate, Harold Lopez. Alternate delegate, Maria Smith. Nominating committee representative, Linda Perel. Inland Empire Chapter. President Christine Bailey. Members 10, votes 5. Delegate Christine Bailey. Alternate Delegate Adel Galvez. Nominating Committee Representative Christine Bailey. Orange County Chapter. President Larry Gassman. Home Chapter Members 23, votes 5. Delegate Andrea DeClotz, alternate delegate, Debbie Kessler. Nominating committee representative, Larry Gassman. Randolph Shepard Vendors of California, President Paul Patchy Jr. Members, 19, votes five, delegate Paul Patchy Jr. Alternate delegate, Tristan Kelly. Nominating Committee Representative Paul Patchy Jr.
San Bernardino Council of the Blind. President Deborah Gossett. Home chapter members 24, votes 5. Delegate Deborah Gossett, alternate delegate Theodore Wilbrecht, nominating committee representative Theodore Wilbrecht. San Diego Braille Club, President Brian Ostash. Members 26, votes 5. Delegate Charlene Ornelas. Alternate delegate, Ethel Kirtley. Nominating committee representative, Joseph Lopez. San Francisco chapter. President Vita Zavali. Members 33, votes 7. Delegate, Shana Ray. Alternate delegate, Peter Pardini. Nominating committee representative, Vita Zavali. San Gabriel Valley Chapter, President Pam Pology. Chapter members 26, votes 5, Delegate Nick Goodinger, Alternate Delegate Constance Grissomer, Nominating Committee Representative Nick Goodinger. Silicon Valley Council of the Blind, President Rob Turner, Members 49, votes 10, Delegate Mike Keithley, alternate delegate, Susan Glass, nominating committee representative, Rob Turner. Yosemite Gateway Council of the Blind, President Margaret Buckman Garcia, home chapter members 26, votes 5, delegate Margaret Buckman Garcia, alternate delegate, Tanya Williams, nominating committee representative, Margaret Buckman Garcia. Chapters not credentialed East Los Angeles chapter and Redwood Empire chapter. And this concludes the credentials com committee report. Thank you, Frank. And in full disclosure, those two chapters are not credentialed because they are uh, basically on hiatus for this year. So um, as far as chapters that have, have uh, turned in rosters and every, all of that stuff, I believe we have 100% uh, credentialedness, if that's a word. Um, so at this, for me. Time, I, at, at this time, I believe if I, and this is where I, uh, having never exactly done this part of it before, I do believe that we take a motion to accept the credentials report, do we not? Yes, I believe we do, and, and discussion is okay. necessary. Okay, so... Is there a motion to accept the report? Or Frank, are you making that motion? I'll so move, yes. Okay. And do I have somebody second. unmuted that would second? There's a second from Larry. And I'll give it about 30 seconds to see if anybody wants to raise a hand and have any questions about the credentials report. No hands. Jeanette, do we have any hands? No. All right. Going once, going twice. All right. Well, since uh, usually, since usually when I see uh, discussion about the credentials report at a convention, it's because there's a chapter seven that are not seated, and we don't have that this year. So, um, unless we have ten people in the next thirty seconds here now raise their hands uh, to object, I'm going to declare the credentials report accepted. Thank you. Okay. 
So uh, not hearing any other hands being raised, we will uh, declare that um, report accepted. And there had been some discussion about muting everybody, but I'm not hearing any other background noise. So I think we're probably just as easy and for the sake of time to move on to the next report. And again, uh, you know, Frank, you get to do double duty here uh, or back to back duty, however you want to look at it. We're going to hear from Frank again for the nominating committee report. Thank you, Mr. President. The CCB nominating committee has selected the following nominees for CCB elected position. Officers, First Vice President, Sarah Harris. Secretary, Linda Perrell. Directors, one, Steve Bauer. Two, Christy Crespin. Three, Nellie Emerson. Four, Stephanie Watts. Five, Penny Valdivinos. Respectfully submitted Frank Welty, Chair. CCB Nominating Committee. All right. Thank you, Frank. And I don't think that one needs a, an acceptance, or does it? No, it's just the report. Nominating? Yeah, that's just a report that it's there, and the only people that could dispute anything would be those that were in the room. So, Frank, thank you for that. And those uh, those officers and directors will be the slate put forth tomorrow evening. And again, anyone can run from the floor for any of those positions. But uh, for now, Frank, thank you very much for both of those reports. And uh, very well done. So thank you. And thank you to the members of the nominating committee who, who came to do their duty and did it with dispatch. Good word. Okay. And next up, we're going to hear another sponsorship message. And this one, I don't even know what this company is. Um, I think I've heard of them somewhere along the lines. It is our one of our silver sponsors. And it is the company that pays my salary every couple of weeks, Humanware. Humanware is proud to support the California Council of the Blind's 2021 conference. For more information, we encourage everyone to visit us by downloading our HW Buddy application available on iOS and Android. And you can visit us online at www.humanware.com. To reach us by phone, dial 1-800-722-3393. We hope everybody has a fantastic conference. And that was my buddy, Peter Tusick, who is still leading, but who I am creeping up on in our fantasy baseball league. And next up, uh, not, Let's see what time we're at. We're only a few minutes behind schedule, so uh, I think this is a good place for a door prize. What do you all think? Good. Glad everybody agrees. Lisa, are you available? <laughs> I was going to raise my hand. <laughs> we like door prize. <laughs> the wheel queued up here, and this door prize is 
donated by the Contra Costa chapter, a $25 Amazon gift card. And the winner is Stephen Emerson. All right. Congratulations, Stephen Emerson. I'm sure Nellie can spin that for you just fine. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Next. And thank you, Lisa. And thank you to the Contra Costa chapter. Uh, next up. Uh, is Dave up on stage, or uh, do we need to have him raise his hand? I think I heard him come in a while ago. I believe he is up here. He said he was. Dave, if you're here, you want to unmute? Dave, Dave if you're here, here, speak. Can you hear me? We can hear you. I like the bridge, uh, Gabe. <laughs> Glad you like it. Um, so now we are going to hear from David Jackson and Sarah Harris to talk about bylaws. All right. So, Dave, are we ready to put our bylaws hats on? We are. All right. So this year we're bringing forth one bylaw amendment. Um, our committee got together and we put together an administrative change, nothing fancy. Um, but without further ado, Dave, you want to hit, tell Larry to hit play? Larry, go ahead and hit play. California Council of the Blind 2021 proposed bylaw amendment. Current language, Article 8, Chapters and Special Interest Affiliates, Section 8.1. CCB affiliation consists of local or regional chapters and of statewide special interest affiliates. Section 8.1.1. An individual may join more than one chapter, exercising full rights of membership and voting in each, except that only one chapter will pay dues to CCB for a person who has joined more than one chapter. Therefore, an individual who has joined more than one chapter shall inform the chapter's presidents of which chapter he, she desires to be counted in for the purpose of representation at convention and for assessment of CCB dues. At-large members who join a chapter give up their at-large status. Section 8.2. Formation. Section 8.2.1. Any group of 10 or more individuals, a majority of whom are blind as determined by self-declaration, may apply for affiliation as a chapter or special interest affiliate of the California Council of the Blind. Section 8.2.2. To be accepted for affiliation as a CCB chapter or special interest affiliate and to remain in good standing, the group shall, Section 8.2.2.1, submit to the CCB office such information and documentation at such time and in such matter as the Council may require. Section 8.2.2.2. Provide such certifications and commitments as the Council may deem necessary, including the timely provision of membership, activity, and financial information, and full cooperation in any matters bearing upon legal compliance. Reason for change. Clarify affiliation procedure. New language. Article 8. Chapters and Special Interest Affiliates. Section 8.1. 
CCB affiliation consists of local chapters and of statewide special interest affiliates. A chapter is local in nature, while special interest affiliates are bound together by an issue that furthers the mission of CCB or is valued by its members. Section 8.1.1 Chapter Membership An individual may join more than one chapter, exercising full rights of membership in voting in each, except that only one chapter will pay dues to CCB for a person who has joined more than one chapter. Therefore, any individual who has joined more than one chapter shall inform the chapter's presidents of which chapter he, she, desires to be counted in for the purpose of representation at convention and for assessment of CCB dues. At-large members who join a chapter give up their at-large status. Section 8.2. Any group of 10 or more individuals, a majority of whom are blind as determined by self-declaration, may apply for affiliation as a chapter or special interest affiliate of the California Council of the Blind. Section 8.2.1. The group applying for affiliation will submit their constitution and or bylaws, along with any other governing documentation, to the CCB Bylaws Committee, The Bylaws Committee will review the documentation to make sure it is in line with the CCB bylaws, mission, and policies. The committee will also make sure that nothing in the applying group's governing documentation is inconsistent with CCB's mission, 5013C status, or its membership. The Bylaws Committee then provides a recommendation to the CCB board regarding granting a charter. This recommendation is to be voted on at the next regularly scheduled board meeting. Section 8.2.2. Once the board approves the application for affiliation, a charter will be provided and the chapter or special interest affiliate will submit a copy of its governing documents and all other documentation, including dues, that CCB requires of all other chapters and special interest affiliates to the CCB office. As long as all documentation, dues, and credentials are received in the CCB office at least 30 days prior to the convention, the new chapter or special interest affiliate will have the right to be seated and vote at the convention. Section 8.3. In order to remain in good standing as a chapter or special interest affiliate of CCB, that group shall submit to the CCB office such information and documentation at such time and in such manner as the Council may require and provide such certifications and commitments as the Council may deem necessary, including the timely provision of membership, activity, and financial information, and full cooperation in all matters bearing upon legal compliance. End of proposed bylaw amendment. And that was the first reading of the bylaw amendment for 2021, the proposed bylaw amendment for 2021. And um, thank you to the reading styles of uh, our bylaws committee member, Steve Bauer. Um, Dave, you want to go down the rest of our committee and thank them real quick? Sure. I want to thank uh, Steve Bauer, uh, our uh, Steve Bauer, of course, Sarah Harris, uh, Steve Mendelson, uh, Peter Pardini, uh, myself, David Jackson. Um, let's see, uh, certainly Gabe Griffith. And am I missing anybody? Frank Welty and Robert Frank Wynn. Frank Welty and Robert Wynn. Thank you very much for that. No problem. And a big thank you to my co chair, Dave. And Everyone will be voting on this on Sunday um, during our business meeting. So back over to you, Gabe. 
and Sunday is when we'll get to have discussion on it, if any. So yeah, thank you guys. Next up, we're going to hear another uh, sponsor message. And this one is another Silver Level sponsor. It, it and somebody that we have a, a uh, history of working with. And this one is going to be Democracy Live. Hello, my name is Brian Finney. I'm president of Democracy Live. I want to thank the California Council of the Blind to allow us to help support the Council of the Blind virtual convention in 2021. Democracy Live is the leading provider of accessible at-home voting technologies and accessible online technologies throughout the state of California and serving 25 other states throughout the country. If you want to get a hold of Democracy Live, feel free to reach out to us at democracylive.com or info at democracylive.com. We look forward to sponsoring your convention and we hope you enjoy the 21 convention. All right. Thank you for that. And uh, we're just about to the end here. So I want to thank everybody who has stuck with us this evening. Hopefully you've enjoyed the, the uh, program that's been put together. Uh, I know a lot of work was put into it. and um, you know, A couple little uh, questions here, but hey, pretty good for opening night of a, of a convention and figuring out what we're doing. So again, thank you to everybody who has stayed on Zoom for these last uh, little bit over three hours. Thank you out there to everybody out there on ACB Radio for listening in with us. And we hope you will come back and join us again tomorrow morning. We're going to be on at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, uh, noon Eastern Time, and other times around the world. So please plan to join us and. Uh, we have a good program going tomorrow morning there. Um, and Gabe, can I interrupt? Yeah, can we can we do can we do another can we do another door prize? I, I think uh, we need another door prize. I'm sure we could talk Lisa into one more door I'm prize. I'm sure we could. You know I am so easy, guys. <laughs> oh, we got that recorded now, Lisa. Oh, watch out, Lisa. <laughs> we'll use that later on. Hey, our audio guys, can we cut out just those few words? Oh, I'm, it, it's already done. Make it uh. <laughs> <laughs> so our next door prize is donated by the San Francisco chapter, and it is another $25 Amazon gift card. All right. Yeah. Spin that wheel. And the winner is Penny Reader. R E E D E R. Uh, Penny. Congratulations, Penny. Congratulations. And Penny, if you're still up. It's it early for you. It's it's after midnight. Uh, tw- he stays up late. <laughs> quarter after 12 a.m. So yeah. uh, <laughs> if you are still up and listening, then thank you for staying up and congratulations on winning a door prize. Yeah. 
And uh, do we have any other business before we kind of wrap things up and tell people what they're going to be listening to tomorrow morning and send them off with a with a uh, no, uh, you don't have to be present. No. Special. No, no, don't have to be present to win a door prize tonight because folks are going to be listening on ACB radio, etc. So it would be pretty much. We use the term door uh, door prize fairly loosely here this weekend. Just want to remind everybody tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., tune in for an advocacy workshop. So we're going to have a couple of different varietals of that. Uh, Sarah, is there anything else before we tell everybody what our surprise ending is tonight? Um, just come, come back tomorrow, guys. Same bat channel. Look at Same that. bat plane. Nicolette Noise has her hand up. Okay. I I just wanted to say that this whole convention has been absolutely amazing. And tonight, the the interviews were done in such a seamless manner. I've never heard anything like it. And I think it was absolutely wonderful. So I'm not sure if Larry did the whole thing by himself, but whoever did it. I did not. Okay. I did. I did my share, but a lot of us (laughs) did lots. Okay. You had a lot of help, but it was absolutely amazing. And I've been around radio people for, you know, pretty much all my life, although not old time radio people. But I just want to say that this whole thing has been amazing. And this, the interviews and the people speaking and the way they were introduced with Nothing in between was just such a pleasure, especially being on the program. I had to stop and go and facilitate at six six thirty to seven. It was so noisy; it was ridiculous. But thank you so much, and keep up the good work. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow if I don't sleep, oversleep. So, thank you, everybody. Thank you very oh, much, thank you, Nikki. Uh, and with that, to end, we have a special surprise that uh, I think it was Sarah found some audio. I think he was mentioned earlier this evening, Newell Perry, who uh, was the founder of CCB. And uh, since many of us before this had never even heard his voice, some of you guys out there were lucky enough to get to know him. But uh, we have a a little short uh, audio that uh, we found and and, uh, do some cleanup, digital cleanup are able to present to you tonight. So enjoy, Larry, are you ready? And all the people around them, uh, while they uh, say kind things to them, they they have no confidence in them. They take it for granted that they can't do things. And, uh, And to tell the truth, in most homes, uh, they are discouraged not to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're discouraged, yes, not uh, against doing anything. They, uh, well, my uh, my dad always wanted me to be careful. I mustn't go a little way here and mustn't go there. And uh, I must stay away from the well and all that sort of stuff. And, of course, that stimulated me to go all the more. I had, uh, I think my chief, uh, um, merit was I never did 
I never felt bound to do what he told me. <laughs> and, uh, of course, in a little while, they, they gave it up. They, uh, they quit telling me that I shouldn't do this and the other because they saw me go do it. And, uh, after a while, they, they had to, they'd go at tell me. And they got so they would tell me would, there's some horses out there in the barn hadn't been curried this morning, well, I go out and curry them. And, uh, at first they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have dared let me go to the barn alone, that way, around the horses and all that sort of thing. But, uh, so that I always advise blind children not to obey their parents, because <laughs> they never get anywhere if they do. This was 1955. It really came out good. Yeah, right? Sounded a lot better than I thought it was going to. Yeah, well, we had to fix a lot of stuff, and it, it was nice done. It was done with a recording. You know, somebody <laughs> just used a recorder. They had traffic sounds and other things going on, and it it was not done in a professional studio. So no. that that's what happens sometimes, no. and you make the best of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, good. Hopefully, everybody was able to hear it, and it was definitely uh, definitely I think a treat to be able to present tonight. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, that is the end of our first session. So, thank you. And uh, we're in recess until tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> For more fun. <laughs> tomorrow. To, oh, wait. Wrong. This isn't karaoke. Night, wrong huh? song. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was karaoke. <laughs> I did. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, oh, well. There'll be another night. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Good night, all. Good night. Good night. night.